So as always, thank you for joining me. Enjoy the podcast. Kick back and relax. The force is strong and is with us always. And never forget. We have hope. Rebellions are built on hope. of this moment the force is strong make ten men feel like a hundred I'll take the next chance and the next you're rebels aren't you You call it the Jesse James. Jesse, a.k.a. The Bizzle. Yo, The Bizzle, thank you. <laughs> the Bizzle? Thank you, The Bizzle. Yeah. The Bizzle. You ready, dog? You ready? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, are, but I'm asking, are you ready? I said yeah. I want to hear fuck yeah. Yes. You know, you don't like cursing. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> this great city, it will... My bane actually gets better as the movie goes on, I, uh, but we'll see what happens. I've been doing a lot of Bane impressions, mostly the Harley Quinn Bane impression. Are you are you a fan of Creed? The band or the no movie? no the movie Creed one. Yeah, of course I am. <laughs> I have a good I do a good pretty Ricky if you if you know who that, remember him. Uh, it's it's been a little the bit. The main so. bad guy who he fights or whatever. Uh oh yeah 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 the guy who's going to prison. Creed son, no one cares about Balboa anymore. <laughs> Oh, man. I had to do it because I did that last night, Dark Knight Rises. Okay, let's go. You ready? Alrighty. All right, ladies and gentlemen of the Bizzlecast, welcome to another Bizzlecast film commentary. I'm back doing commentaries. Um, I know I did Expanse 1, uh, and it's been a few months, but I'm starting to do Expanse Season 2 and try and get through that entire series, mostly or uh, mostly solo. I might have my cousin on, another friend, Dietz, who are a big fan of The Expanse, but it's been a while since I did a full movie, and with uh, so much DC stuff going on and excitement building for the Batman, no better movie than to do The Dark Knight Rises. Right, Jason Ritter? Jimbo, welcome back to the show. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, yeah, we, we got to get back to doing the uh, the last solo Batman movie. Absolutely, absolutely. So, guys, if you are a first of all, guys, we're going to try and keep the intro relatively short. There's plenty of time during the movie, and then we might we'll do a discussion either afterwards or at a later date. Um, uh, but uh, we do want to uh, bring up a few points about why we're doing Rises in particular now, as opposed to Batman Begins, um, which we'll probably end up doing eventually, uh, Ritter, because I haven't done that one. But if you guys are deep-dive, old-school Bizzlecast fans, you know I did The Dark Knight Rises. So the Bizzlecast has been around about five m- years and three months or something. And about four and a half years ago, one of my first multiple commentary guests was my friend from college, Aaron Slavutin. Um, and you might know this, Ritter, because you are very familiar with the Bizzlecast. I did four commentaries with him. The first two were AI commentaries. We did Ex Machina, one of my favorite movies, and then Her with Joaquin Phoenix and Scarlett Johansson, one of my favorite movies. But then we had a... Uh, d- dude, during uh, like the wrap-up of Her, the comic book movies came up, and my buddy's much more a DC guy, 
And at that point, I was still super marveled up because Age of Ultron and the Winter Soldier were like the last couple of movies that had come out, you know? Um, and while I liked The Dark Knight, it wasn't quite the same. And he argued profusely that they're just much more mature movies and, and more philosophically interesting. And I said, okay, I think you're right, man. So let's do The Dark Knight because it's a classic. And we had such a great time talking about and watching The Dark Knight that we're like, okay, let's do Rises. And then we both got busy and I moved in different directions. And we're, he's still a buddy of mine, but we just... Uh, haven't had a chance to get him back on, um, but it was really interesting doing two AI movies and then doing the two uh, Dark Knight movies, or I guess I should say Dark Knight two and three. Uh, Jason, one of the things we'll talk about was the somewhat unplanned nature of doing a third movie um, and so forth. Uh, another topic will be sort of the flip where Dark Knight crushed Iron Man in two thousand eight money wise, and then Rises with almost the same money and almost the same reviews as Dark Knight in twenty twelve got crushed by the Avengers and the sort of the flip there. And we're of course going to talk about, well, from my end, why I think this movie's underrated, but it took me a while to realize how great it was. Um, I'll save that for the commentary. So, Jimbo, I have, first of all, welcome back. Um, I'm glad you're feeling a little bit better. I have a few opening things to connect it to what's going on in DC and in, in, um, uh, before uh, the movie I wanted to mention, uh, just to sort of tease, uh, but as I welcome back, um, give the Bizzlecast listeners opening thoughts about um, why you also wanted to do Rises. Uh, I, I think pretty badly we've been talking about it for a while. Um, so just tease a couple things that you, you, you like about Rises or you want to do with the commentary, and then we'll save the rest for the commentaries. Well, I think we want to do it because, well, in my opinion, I think, you know, Batman, The Dark Knight was Chris Nolan's heist movie, but this was really his his reason was to do a comic book movie, I feel. Yep. And I will point, I will point that out among, along the way. I mean... Absolutely. I would also say this came up in my last commentary. Oh, by the way, guys, to finish that thought, um, so with my buddy Slavutin, so I, I told Jimbo I didn't want to do The Dark Knight again because... It, that was like a really great commentary and maybe we'll do it like after the Batman man. Um, but it's so classic. Everyone knows it by heart and rises is one where we can really make a lot of points about why it's better than people think, why it's better than people say it's one of those movies like Ultron that if they would just give it a chance and watch it a couple times, they would like more. In fact, this is sort of the Ultron of the dark Knight series. I'll talk about that. Um, uh, in terms of it made the same money, almost had the same reviews at the time, but it's sort of remembered as far inferior to Dark Knight, but unlike the Matrix sequels, this is not far inferior to Dark Knight, but you talked about this is a comic book movie, the real one, you know, no one went full comic book, and he really did, and he wrote it with his brother Jonathan, um, and sort of the story group with Goyer, blah, 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 uh, but they wrote it, the Nolans, um, and, uh, but I would also say, man, just to tease it, Dark Knight was his philosophical uh, 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 manifesto, and this is his political manifesto, and just to tease it, man, and I'll give you final thoughts, and then guys, we're going to count you into the movie because it's about to storm here really bad and we try and get it all in or most in as, as quick as possible uh jimbo um which is what's interesting is in the dark night the cops are corrupt and the people uh, you know uh, uh, turn out to be morally upright at the end when the ships you know decide not to blow one another up and the joker loses you know the moral battle with batman and this one it flips and the people are the you know 99 percenters but violent and bane takes advantage of that to really make them violent and bad and the cops are the good guys in this one so it's really interesting philosophically how that flip that must have been intentional by nolan have you ever thought about that before about how the 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 sort of the ethics of the cops and the civilians flip between the Dark Knight and the Dark Knight Rises. 
Um, yeah, that had to be intentional. I mean, I I think that was around the time of the. Uh, it was the ninety nine percent. It was during the the, the yep that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the the Wall Street stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because it was around that time, and he was probably watching the news and thought, "We got to put this in. We could we could use this to our advantage." <laughs> It was it was the it was so interesting because it was indirectly a political challenge towards Obama for not being liberal enough essentially, but it wasn't really anti-Obama. It was sort of what's going on now with Black Lives Matter, but less specific and more sort of class-based. And of course, that's what's going on in this movie is class. And Selena Kyle isn't just sexy and cool and change of sides, but she represents kind of the lower class um, and sort of the the, the maturation of her worldview and stuff. I find fascinating. Just to point out, we all know Tom Hardy's spectacular and everything, and no different here with Bane. We'll be doing the Bane impression. Guys, we'll try and limit it, although it's hilarious hearing Bane on the, the Harley cartoon, which we highly recommend. Uh, by the way, guys, if you check out our last podcast where we praise Doom Patrol and Harley, and we'll talk about that more later. We, Jason and I watched the season two premiere of Doom Patrol together. It was super fun, super weird. And Ape Girl, I can't stop thinking about how creepy that is. We'll get back to that later. Um, but uh, this has an insane amount of Academy Awards. Jimbo, as we talked about the other day, uh, with all the cast, there's like well over 10, uh, there's like 10 or 12 Academy Awards and like twice that in nominations. And so in addition to this being the comic book movie with tons of good guys, tons of bad guys, and lots of people in the middle, it's also the one with like somehow an even more star-studded cast than The Dark Knight. And as I've become more of an actor's guy over the years... And really watching movies for actors, just the sort of orgy, if you will, the huge, massive number of actors that I love that aren't just great, but I love from Hathaway to Bale. Um, and this will really be final thoughts about the cast of this movie. Of course, we'll talk about Nolan. Um, did you say that the, the, this this has the, the the best cast of the three movies, or at least the biggest ca- uh, g- cast of, of great actors? Yeah, I, I would say so. Um, I would say so. I mean. This whole trilogy has like a lot of great actors in it too. So, absolutely, but- absolutely. So, all right, why don't we save the rest for the commentary? Um, so, guys, I'm gonna do. Uh, wait, so stop, Jason. I'm gonna do the spiel for the countdown here, and then I'm gonna save the file, and then I'll do the actual countdown. Okay. All right. All right. All right, guys. So if you are new to the commentary, you're going to queue up your Dark Knight Rises Blu-ray, DVD, digital file, whatever, to zero, 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 zero hours, zero minutes, zero seconds. Um, uh, I'm going to count from three to two to one. I am going to say go. At that point, you should hit play immediately. And then Jason, Jimbo, J-Bone Ritter is going to do a seven count. Um, you guys are probably used to that from Simi uh, in recent years, if you listen to our commentaries. So Jason, you're going to do a seven count uh, for the first seven seconds of the film and i think at this point the digital files unless people have ghetto files if you have the official digital file or the official blu-ray jimbo i believe it should line up the same it'll certainly be close enough i always recommend subtitles i leave the level of volume from zero to whatever to you you might want to turn it up higher to listen to the music and have us be sort of 50 50 you might want to listen to us more so i, I leave those up to you but subtitles is usually nice in case you decide uh that you want to be tuning into the podcast more um but I leave that to your guys and get that all ready so there's no lag and usually lines up great. Um, and uh, yeah, any final thoughts, questions, concerns before we get started here? Nope. 
All right, Jimbo. Very excited to do literally any DC movie, especially any Batman movie, especially any Dark Knight movie. And I am most excited to do Dark Knight Rises. We, we discussed Batman Begins. I think we might do it someday. Um, but for right now, we're going to talk about the last great Batman movie. I think it's safe to say. Um, you know, yes. uh, no, by the way, guys, uh, shade will probably be thrown at Batman v Superman and praise will probably be thrown at Justice League by me at least i won't speak for jason it's no offense to Zack snyder i'll try and keep it about the movies uh, but um for me jason it, uh, the the level of greatness of the dark knight trilogy you can't compare with anything no. recent other than wonder woman in my opinion no you can't okay you, can't. you ready to are you at zero when, when i count it down and say go you're gonna give the seven count yep all right okay hold on hold on well I got to give the countdown. Okay. All right, guys. Here we go with the countdown. Jason, this will be great. And uh, let's hope the storm doesn't knock us out. You ready, pal? All righty. Three, two, one, and go. Okay. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. All right, here we go. You're here still scratching a little bit. we go. All right, pal. Of course, I had to make reference to the Joker. <laughs> we got the classic WB. We got the old school DC. Yep. Uh, no. Oh, here's Legendary, which is now owned That's by the Chinese. Legendary, Legendary is, used I, to do all of the Nolan stuff. Now it's owned by the yeah, Chinese. Yeah, they are universal now. All right, here's the uh, new 52 DC logo that they changed recently again. Dude, good call. This was the movie that sort of separated... From then rebirth a couple of years later, we can bring that up. New Fifty Two, that's a great call. And no one's company. All right, starting All right. with Gordon giving a speech he gives every year where he's lying through his teeth. This is eight years later. We will. Well, we can talk about why they chose eight years. For no particular reason. It makes no sense he'd be in isolation for eight years, in my opinion. But it's partially to stress how many times he's given this speech and how each year, with Gary Oldman's great performance, man, it's clear he's thinking more and more about, uh, you know, why he should, you know, should maybe not give the speech and tell the truth. You know, and uh, I think the eight Kenny years... from the wire! Uh, or people will call him... Yeah, and for you Game of Thrones fans... Little finger. <laughs> oh, good call. Of course. Yep. So, I think they um, really quick, man, you got to start Dark Knight movies with an epic fucking opening scene. And, uh, you know, it's impossible to, in any movie to top the Joker heist with Jokers killing Jokers killing Jokers and new classic criminal and people used to have respect, etc. Um, but, yeah. uh,. This is a pretty good one in terms of the, the actors, and it doesn't matter that you know it's Bane after the first time, just like you know it's the Joker after the first time, right? It's just delicious to watch the bad guys be bad guys. Carcetti yeah. with a gun or Littlefinger with a gun is just kind of funny. Yeah, and the weird thing I found out while rewatching these movies lately is that all the main villains somehow disguise themselves as one of their henchmen. And I really didn't think about that is that the, common in the Batman comics? Uh, I think I think um, 
Joker does do that in some of the comics, but but I don't think all of them do that. Like, when people saw the Dark Knight for the first time, and then the Joker's killing the Jokers, and you're trying to figure out who the final Joker is, maybe you piece it together the first time, maybe you don't, but it's still up, upsetting and disturbing every time. This isn't upsetting and disturbing, it's just great for the Bane reveal. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, this I, is part I, uh, he describes himself and then goes, Hello, I'm Bane. Doesn't matter who we are. Okay, I'm gonna limit my stuff. Yeah. The mask. Yeah. Oh, they talk about pulling off the mask immediately, and he says painful, so they're teasing the end. Yeah, I remember this was. For you! By the way, there was a whole article I sent you about the for you becoming a cult thing, because no one knows what he's saying. Now, remember, this was the big scene, I think, that first showed off, like, Bane. Because this was played before, I guess, one of the Mission Impossible movies. I guess in IMAX back in the day, before the movie came out. So this is an insane plane, hits the other plane, does a crazy maneuver thing. You guys have, I'm sure, seen this before. By the way, if you're listening to this and you haven't seen the movie before, thank you so much for the respect that entails, but you should watch it first. So I'm going to assume you guys have seen this at least once. Yeah. Any true... uh, Batman or a comic book fan would have seen this a bunch of times by now. So, what's what's never really clear, starting here and throughout the movie, but especially here, is who the hell these other guys are and what the fuck is going on, other than he wants to steal the nuclear yeah, scientist. Well, but it's not clear who Carcetti Littlefinger is. This stuff feels a lot out of the uh, Vengeance from Bane comic. Which was a lead up to the Nightfall comic, which oh. basically tells you how he how he has people that he was in jail with tell him about Gotham and the Batman, and he want he wants to challenge the Batman and stuff like that. Okay. So this feels a lot like that. So those two guys that hang around him are based off of, uh, I guess, one of the criminals in the comic was called Bird. Hmm. Who was like the main one who told him about Batman and Bane and and he wants to take control of Gotham and stuff. So yeah. <laughs> so oh, yeah, this is- you know, un- unlike the Joker opening scene, which is sort of the first philosophical salvo in a movie full of philosophy, w- whether people notice or not, is sort of up to them and who they are, then their personalities and so forth. Um, this is really to set up the action and just the brilliance in his own way of Bane, but also, dude, uh, it's, he's not the Joker, right? We're, like, it's very important character-wise here. I think plot-wise, it's to get the scientist, but character-wise, it's to establish he's, this guy's going to be cool. We hope you like him. He's not the Joker, but he's still fucking cool. Tom Hardy, you'll never recognize. The Fire Rises. And there, they tease the movie title. Hans Zimmer, of course, doing the music as always. A little contro- right. not controversial. There's a dispute about whether the Dark Knight Rises sa- or Dark Knight m- movies in general have great soundtracks or not great soundtracks by Hans Zimmer. I think they're totally fitting. They're not ones I listen to a lot. I have tons of other Zimmer ahead. I, I wouldn't have gotten anyone other than Zimmer. Are you a Zimmer fan in general? And then are you a Zimmer I, fan with DC movies? I like, I like I like Zimmer, but people who say these aren't like great soundtracks are crazy, but. It's sometimes they're hard to listen to 
outside the it movie just de- it depends if you want ambient like this is perfect background like you know speed walking music but it's not something i would sit down and like listen to the way i listen to let's say um you know the classic john williams movies or like gladiator if we're talking Hans zimmer gladiator pirates of the caribbean or you know are sort of more pump up this is more ambient here we go with now, the mayor this, who this is this is right out of the dark knight returns where you have uh Bruce, who hasn't been Batman for, I think they said ten years in that comic, but this year, in this one it would be eight. Woo! So here's Anne Hathaway, who has won Oscar, should have numerous Oscars. I don't know if she's controversial. She's seen as a diva. If you really see her interviewed when she's comfortable, she's just normal, and she's just as uncomfortable. I love her. I love her in every movie. I loved her in Les Mis, where she won. I loved her in Rachel Getting Married, where she would have won. And I, as you know, absolutely love, love, love her as Selena Kyle, which is why I wanted an A actress, or at least an A in terms of excitement actress. We got it with Zoe Kravitz. We think it's going to be a tough act to follow uh, with, um, with Anne Hathaway here, and I love to introduce her early on. Look yeah. at her. She's acting like Fontaine. The poor girl doesn't even make eye contact. It's great. So, he's still the mayor eight years later? Yeah. Okay. So, the eight-year time jump, in my brain, I make this four years. Because it's four years between movies, and that makes more sense. Here's up. We see Harvey for two seconds. Yeah, we got Two-Face. So, I never loved Gary Oldman just in general or, or until The Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises. He's spectacular as Gordon. I know he was nominated and or won for uh, Dar- Darkest Hour, Tinker Taylor, but for me, him as Gordon, regardless of being a comic book movie, Batman movie or not, is still my favorite Oldman role, personally. I, I could watch him play Gordon forever. J.K. Simmons, who I adore, was nowhere near as convincing, and uh, it was smart to get Jeffrey Wright, who is kind of a theatrical actor who's very yeah. different from Oldman but is more theatrical as opposed to sort of goofy uh, but J.K. Simmons who, who can do drama great but the lines they gave him it were a little goofy um, thoughts about Oldman in general as Gordon and then oh, I mean yeah, I mean he is spot on the, he's spot on Gordon from the from the comics I mean personality wise uh. speaking of Oscars sorry to interrupt you two wins six nominations is Michael Caine he's one of two actors to be nominated in the 60s 70s 80s 90s noughts aughts and the teens I mean no offense to uh, the guy who played him in 89 and uh, Jeremy Irons but Michael Caine is my favorite Alfred Jeremy oh, Irons played exactly. great off of Ben Affleck, their chemistry. Michael Caine, as you know, I, w- I said I would be fine with him even coming back before Jeffrey Wright was locked in. Again, I like the Wright casting. I'll never complain about Michael Caine, Children of Men, all the Nolan movies. I could literally watch him in anything. You mean Andy Serkis. Sorry, Andy Serkis. Yeah, sorry. Okay, <laughs> here's Miranda Tate. I remember when I... up oh, there's Director Critic. Galen we were this close to greatness. Don't choke on your aspirations, director. It's beautiful. Look how young and, and, and trim is Mendo, as they call him in Australia. 
M- Mendelssohn now is very in demand character actors that's been in a ton of comic book and genre movies Krennic's his best role in genre movies in my opinion even though he's been good in some other ones he's great here um, but he's mostly been in Australian stuff up until the last 10 years uh, now everyone knows him because he's in everything dude but he was been a huge famous actor in, in Australia they call him Mendo he's and they're, I know for sure from Australian friends that he's one of the actors they're so proud finally made it to the international stage um, I know you love Mendelssohn in too. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Here we go. That's it. Yep. That Again, right he, there. I, sorry, right there. Looking at the photo and the look on Anne Hathaway's face, she's brilliant. Immediately conveyed a. She has some heart and sentimentality. B. She's scouting out who this guy is. Now she's looking at the food. She's actually. She doesn't need to be doing a whole lot of this. There's no way she could think there was a key here. I love. Oh, Bale. Dude, I have a friend who has the same facial hair as Bale. He's Latino, light-skinned Latino. He looks a lot like... Shout-out to Andreas Mendez Pinate. I love this look for Bale. He's rocking a Green Arrow-style beard there. Is that what they say about me? So, uh, what's interesting, man, is Batman Begins was obviously all about the origin story. Bale, you know, Bale-heavy, mostly Bale. Uh, maybe all bail, really. Um, I guess we see a tiny bit from uh, Dr. Crane's perspective. But the second movie with the Joker and Harvey, uh, you know, if you really count the amount of time that the main actor on screen is Batman or Bruce Wayne, especially Bruce Wayne, it's not a lot. And now they, we're back to a, what I call the secondary origin story, which I love secondary origin stories, usually more than origin stories, which is part of the reason I like this more than Batman Begins. They're unpredictable. The actors are older. They're, you know, they're sort of, um, you know, have to go through challenges again and evolve still. <laughs> Sometimes exceptions have to be made. <laughs> She's so hilarious, Anne Hathaway. Oh man. Yeah, she just look at her at a dime. Oh my god, she's so athletic. Did that black flip on ropes? I'm sure it looks great. He's yeah. already attracted to her. They have to be attracted to each other because they're both, you know, thieves in the night, right? As they say. I mean, Batman's not a traditional thief, but he acts like a thief. Okay, so when I first saw this movie, I A, didn't really love it, B, didn't really know what was going on, I didn't think anything about Miranda Tate. They do enough of not actually showing her a lot, even towards the end when they're saying, Miss Tate is quite lovely, and then they sleep together. At that point, as far as I can remember, I didn't expect her to be the big baddie. Yeah, I don't think a lot of people did. All right, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, a child actor, first known mainstream on Third Rock from the Sun, a hilarious show with John Lithgow. They're aliens pretending to be humans from the 90s. Then he was in a bunch of Ryan Johnson movies. Ryan Johnson kind of made him. He's also in some excellent semi-indies. My favorite, of course, is 50-50 with my girlfriend Anna Kendrick and Seth Rogen, back when Seth Rogen wasn't Seth Rogen. Um, and uh, that was actually produced by Seth Rogen and Joseph Gordon-Levitt about a friend of theirs who had cancer. So that was based on a true story, 50-50. Him and Anna together are spectacular. Um, and he's been in, you know, the better Ryan Johnson movies. I would I would say I don't really like the Ryan Johnson movies without Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I always love him 
he has that that boyish good looks that could come off as corny, especially with line like good guy lines in this movie, man. But for me, Joseph Gordon-Levitt always nails the lines, and his his break from Hollywood over the last couple of years, dude. As you're scratching a lot, I'm gonna have to stop this recording. Over, over the last few years, uh, he specifically took time off um, from Hollywood, and he's back now in some movies that we know about. All right, here's Alfred. Eight years later, still trying to. This is the first of many that we see of him. Yep. Yep. And I think it's a good thing to note that in this movie, we get the Wayne Manor back because in Batman oh, look Begins, how sad it he was looks. burnt to the ground. He looks so sad. Yeah. In his mind, what's, you know, what's key in this man, you know, symbolically is even before he thinks Bruce Wayne is dead, he already thinks Bruce Wayne is dead inside. And he is to an extent... But Alfred is is overly sad and doesn't give him a chance to recover, which is why he's so hard on himself at the fake funeral at the end. Yeah, that, that is a that is a really cool backheat. So we know that he likes uh, Anne Hathaway because this is the first time he's been in the Batcave doing investigative work in a while, and she's already looking. He's looking for pearls yeah. because she was smart enough to get them, but you can tell he's already attracted to just her brains. It's obvious how smart he, she is. Yep. Yeah, she is. And you can tell this is going to be the uh, one of the driving forces for him to be in the get back in the bat suit in the film um dude uh i have to mute myself for a second i want you to talk will you just talk briefly about the differences and similarities of the sort of the tech parts the nerd parts of the bat cave in the comics that you love versus what we see in the movies obviously this is more kind of modern futuristic but yeah. some of the just talk for two minutes about some of the similarities and differences of the bat cave yeah, well, this Batcave compared to the comics is a little bit more uh, stripped down than what we get in the comics because he has, like, close to, uh, I would think, like, 10 or 20 monitors. And this one, as we saw, saw, he has, like, close to, I think, like, five or six. And we don't have, like, a giant coin or a dinosaur because... That would be kind of ridiculous. <laughs> but I do like this Batcave a lot. I mean, it looks kind of similar to the 89 Batcave a little bit, but in the Nolan universe, in my opinion. Okay. Uh, so here we this, go. We have, oh, sorry. I was going to say we have the story now about Alfred. Right. Hoping so this sets up the happy ending. I'm fine with the happy ending. Can, I'm going to start talking about what I didn't love about this movie at first that I'm either okay with now or I actually really like. Now, if you guys are long-time Bizzle listeners, you know one of my film principles that I love when it's done well is called mirroring, which is basically setting up something early and then either mirroring something very similar at the end or a, a slight flip. Like here, we see him sad and hoping to see Bruce Wayne in Italy or enjoying himself and then of course we see at the end the happy ending where he sees him at the restaurant of course Bruce Wayne can find it here's JGL being an awesome cop we'll get back to this so you know what I'm talking about with mirroring Ritter um, I talk about it a lot um, and I love when it's done and again my favorite director Joss Whedon is I think the best in these movies at mirroring in a way that's very clever and not overly cute uh, he does get too cute sometimes this even though you might not think to use the word cute 
a couple of the mirrors in this movie, like Bane in the beginning saying rises and a few of the Bane stuff are talking about the mask. And then we see Alfred the Italy at the beginning, Italy at the end, right? In my opinion, on first watching or two, there seemed to be an excess of on-the-nose mirroring, cutesiness, if you will, in just the writing process. Um, then I, I, I grew to like it a lot. But this is actually a very deserved happy ending once you watch the whole trilogy a lot. What's your feeling about that when there's not a ton of mirroring in Dark Knight where it's just go, 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 linear storytelling? Where this, it's not circular. There are minor flashbacks, man. But do you know what I'm talking about with the mirroring from beginning yeah. to end? Um, was that something you noticed? Do you like that in your movies? Um, like, just you can even talk specifically about the Alfred thing. Yeah, I don't mind it. I mean, you kind of... You know what I'm talking about when I say mirroring. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, did you specifically like the Alfred thing, being very hard mirrored at the end? Oh, my God, Anne Hathaway, you are gorgeous. Yeah. And, by the way, Uh, she's not afraid to put on weight uh, in order to play certain roles. But, man, does she look stunning here. It's the guy from uh, Torchwood. So, in my opinion, in my opinion, as much as I love Tom Hardy and Bane, and he's all-time classic, and he had an impossible job to follow the Joker, she's like, I don't want to have to kill or kick your guys' ass. Um, you know, and we love Mendo, Mendelssohn, we love Kane, we love Bale, we love everybody. In my opinion, what makes this movie at least as rewatchable, or, or the character that makes this movie at least as rewatchable as Bane, if not more so, is specifically Selena Kyle, and how much Anne Hathaway does with actually quite a less time on screen, if you time it, man, than Bane and some of the other main characters. Did you initially like Anne Hathaway before this? Did you even know like she was a big deal? And did you like her as Selena Kyle before? Do you like her as Selena Kyle now? What are your feelings before okay. and now about uh, Anne Hathaway in general or and or in this movie as Selena? I mean, I mean, I remember when it was first announced. It was it was probably as controversial as Heath Ledger's Joker. Because people, inc- I mean, including me, knew her from the uh, the the Princess Diary movie. Like, oh, not the Princess Diary girl. That's Which is the only woman. family movie she's ever done, and she hated it and hasn't done anything with or for Disney since then. Yeah, but, you know, but afterwards, I mean, I remember being blown away as her as Catwoman. So if you, this isn't an insult, but if, if you knew her specifically or mostly from the Princess Diaries, you haven't seen Les Mis, you hadn't seen Rachel getting married. I guess Les Mis came out this year. Oh, I, you hadn't seen Rachel well, getting married or some out, of her... Or, this came out before Les Mis, though. It was 2012. Yeah, this was before Les Mis. But she had done already numerous great movies, in my opinion, before this. I, I was just lucky enough to see her in other films. But I get that this was, with the, being a billion-dollar film, we should mention it, 2012, it still made a billion dollars, had 85 or something on Rotten Tomatoes. This was certainly her... Um, um, exposure to the mainstream, but dude, you add this together with Interstellar and a couple other films, and her films are worth a few bill together. She's not Scarlett Johansson, but her look at her performance. She's so good. She's so okay. clearly an A plus actress. She's already acting as actress as an actress within a movie. You know what I'm talking about? She she has to act in the movie. Like you know what I'm talking about? That's so hard to do. Were you initially a fan of her Catwoman, like, on first watching, do you remember? Or did it take a little while? Yes. Okay. Yeah, first watching, I was a fan of her Catwoman. 
right. I'm not turning so down my sound. The bullets are coming through a little heavy with the Hans Zimmer. Hans Zimmer is known, or I should say Hans Zimmer plus Nolans are known for really loud Zimmer music during the action scenes. Interstellar actually yeah. had to be fixed at some at one point, either in theaters or after the theaters, because it was so I loud remember- people couldn't hear it. Uh, this movie and the other Dark Knight movies I think is appropriate, but um, sometimes Zimmer uh, and the Nolans go a little nutso on, on the, the volume levels, but that's pretty standard yeah. in Hollywood these days. If I remember correctly, the opening scene of this one had to be fixed because Bane, Bane in the movie was too loud in the opening scenes. So really quickly, again, this is the beginning of the cops being dumb, but but good-hearted. Um, dude, so Bale, even though Michael Keaton was classic as Batman, there had been so many bad Batmans, and by this point, Bale had been known since a kid for being a great actor, was really coming into his own. Nolan was already acclaimed for Memento and The Prestige but in the first two Batman uh, Dark Knight movies. And so I think Anne Hathaway had a harder job because Michelle Pfeiffer, in some ways, was so much everybody's Catwoman before this. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, she had to follow a legendary performance from Michelle Pfeiffer, and I think she did She did a pretty good job of it. I mean, Michelle Pfeiffer was one of the most beautiful women in Hollywood for a long time when we were growing up, and she uh, was nominated for three Academy Awards. So even though I think objectively at this point in her career, in my opinion, or subjectively, Anne Hathaway is a superior actress. Like, Anne Hathaway is, like, all-time great, and she's going to be, like, Meryl Streep in 30 years. Like, she's going to be around being awesome forever. This guy's kind of a douche. We'll get back to him. Um, but yeah. nevertheless, Pfeiffer was also known as a great actress, or a very good actress, in three Academy Academy Award nomination and a Golden Globe win uh, and a BAFTA and some other ones is pretty good. So it's not like she was just sexy and just good as Catwoman. She was a great, great, great actress in the 80s and 90s who was, unlike Hathaway, who split people a little bit. I think everyone loves and rec- at least recognizes Hathaway's talents now. But I'd say like Scarlett Johansson, you know, men and women really liked Michelle Pfeiffer the way I think men and women generally like Mich- uh, Scarlett Johansson now in terms of being beautiful but also great actresses. Yeah, and I think this scene coming up is kind of based off a scene, I think, in the comics where um, Bane beats Robin to send a message to Batman Mm -hmm. in the Nightfall series. All right, here's Bane. Tom Hardy, what can you, where do you want to start with Tom Hardy? There's so much to talk about with this character and this actor, so I'm going to leave it to you to start with anything. I mean... He gave basically an iconic performance, basically made Bane a mainstream character and a performance that people seem to keep doing mm -hmm. um, lately on Mm -hmm. TV shows and comic book uh, shows lately, too. So. so we've already kind of been doing this, but for a long movie, where we're assuming people have seen this probably numerous times before, there goes Gary Oldman being athletic as an old guy. Great. I mean, he's lucky he doesn't get shot in the water there. Bullets go right through the water. Um, but dude, because it's a long movie and people have seen this, uh, we don't necessarily have to do a play-by-play. Of course, you should always feel to jump in during the best moments, like the bet- first fight with Bane, etc. 
But as I mentioned in the pre the preview, the intro, and as I've said, obviously in the movie, talking about Anne Hathaway, and we're talking about Tom Hardy. Now I'm going to talk a lot about Christian Bale. We started talking about Kane. Boom, shoots one of some guys. Um, is you know again one of the highlights I think of this movie, and what makes it really rewatchable and better and better as you watch it is how many not only great actors but great actors that I love. There's really no great a- actors that I don't love, other than Gary Oldman can be weird in some roles. But I, I generally I love him. I love JGL. I love Bale. I love Kane. I love Morgan Freeman. I love, um, uh, um, uh, obviously, Kane. Hathaway. I love Hardy. I love Marianne Cotard, you know, as a foreign actress. She's one of the best ever, won a ton of awards. Um, and just goes on and on. Mendo, of course, I love is Krennic and a lot of other roles. Oh. Kane is the best, but, you know, they're all spectacular. So we're, we're going to leave the open floor for me and you here for talking about actors. Um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, talk to me about Levitt and or the, you know, the his character. Um, well, let's save the Robin thing for later. Let's just treat him as yeah. an orphan who figures out very quickly that this is Batman when almost no one else can. Yeah, well... I could, and I'll say that for later, but, I mean, his character is very interesting because it feels like it's kind of based off of the uh, Tim Drake character, but maybe mixed let's save, in. Let's save, hold on, let's save Robin. Let's just talk about Policeman Joseph Gordon-Levitt here, okay? Oh, yeah, police. I mean, Policeman jo- Joseph Gordon-Levitt is, like, he is a great character. I mean, he's he's... He feels he's probably the second cop. He feels like mm-hmm. in this point in his career that he can trust after Gordon. So really quickly, he was in an orphanage set up by Bruce Wayne. So they'd met a long time ago, but they both had parents who were shot and killed that led to them being orphans. He obviously looked up or at least respected and appreciated what Bruce Wayne did. And they both kind of in their brains wanted to be superheroes. You know, Bruce Wayne becomes Batman, but this guy becomes a great cop, you know, who's already a great cop at a young age. We know Joseph Gordon-Levitt's super smart, so it's like Anne Hathaway. It's not hard to project smartness with, with, with this guy and this character, right? But for me, let me put it this way. I criticize some of the mirroring on first watching. For me, I bought this twist immediately. For me, this character with his background being so similar to Bruce Wayne's and wanting to be Batman as a kid or whatever, or a younger teen, right? For me, this worked. Did this work for you initially that this uh, cop that we just sort of met one or two scenes ago already figured out as Batman? Here, he's about to say it. Did it work for you? Um, not, it, it wasn't that. It, it worked for me pretty well. Because so. let, let me just set this up. In all comics, c- characters who hide their identity, and in the movies, Marvel characters other than Spidey have been open about their identities. Captain America is a national hero. Everyone knows Steve Rogers. In the DC, they've kept the secret identities, even with like Wonder Woman, who's obviously Diana Prince, but especially Batman, you got to keep the secret identity. So it's a big deal, man, especially in DC Comics with the ground level heroes to reveal or be found out who you are, right? When we find out that Rachel knows at the end of the first movie, and specifically that Maggie Gyllenhaal's Rachel knows who he is in the second movie is so important, you know, that he could share the secret. And so I could see some people being like, wow, where did this cop come from? And he knows other than Michael Caine, Morgan Freeman, like, and even, you know, Commissioner Gordon doesn't know. I could see people not liking that twist, but me loving Levitt, him being a great actor and him selling that they have a similar background. He's been thinking, I think what sells it to me, man, is through that performance and that long speech by Gordon Levitt, he sells that he'd been thinking about the Bruce Wayne Batman conundrum for quite a few years. And because he's so confident about it 
actually sold it to me more. It wasn't like, are you Batman? It's like, dude, I know you're Batman. And here's, you know, all the logical reasons why. So now I'm going to throw it to you about that really quickly. But let me just point out now he's been in hiding for eight years, but a combination of Anne Hathaway, Selena Kyle and Joseph Gordon-Levitt's John Blake, their brains and them coming into his life unexpectedly is already starting to motivate to him to get out there now, especially once shit starts going down. Um, but I, I interrupt you. Finish that thought about what, um, the, whether the, the John Blake cop reveal thing w- uh, worked for you or continues to work for you in terms of him knowing when so few people know. It, it makes sense because, you know, I mean, you had, uh, you know, like you said, you have um, Rachel knowing, Morgan Freeman, um, Lucius, um, um, and, uh, Alfred, of course, and, uh, there we go. um, well, I mean, obviously, Razak Wool and his daughter. So, do, when you listen to uh, film commentaries by the great TV and uh, film directors, Joss Whedon, I listen to all, Ron Moore's amazing Battlestar Galactica commentaries. If you guys watch that show, the showrunner of that show who, who started writing the best Star Trek episodes and then made the anti-Star Trek in Battlestar Galactica, um, Nolan's uh, commentaries when he does them, um, some other directors. I, I've listened to all of Peter Jackson's for the original Lord of the Rings movies. Um uh, and so forth. I love that stuff, dude. And that's part of why I do commentaries myself. This, um, and it came sort feels, of naturally. This, this, this part definitely feels like a callback to begins when he was at the desk wearing a ski mask. Oh my god! I mean, you know, I, full-bodied women with full lips, those cheekbones. I mean, Anne Hathaway is just stunning. And I like that she's both dark and can be sweet, you know, but it's so different from Scarlett Johansson. By the way, dude, I wanted to point that out. It was really important that this Selena Kyle, let's put it this way. If Selena Kyle was not already very different from any Black Widow character, at this point, you had to make Black Widow different than Selena Kyle and Anne Hathaway different from Scarlett Johansson. And I think they nailed it. They're both cute, sexy, and dangerous, but in different proportion. Anne Hathaway's certainly much darker. Selena Kyle's a much darker character. They really played Black Widow as cute after the first movie or two. In fact, I watched Avengers, original Avengers the other day, about half of it, and it's amazing how quickly they make Scarlett Johansson's Black Widow badass, but super cute and lovable. Uh, you know, I wouldn't call Anne Hathaway super cute and lovable in this. She's lovable in sort of a delicious way. Um, does that make sense, though? Like how yeah. with this and, and Avengers, with all the comparisons in the same year? Um, uh, th- that you know, obviously Bruce Wayne is and Bale is so different from anyone on the Avengers. It's not even close. He's really that's why I have Bale so high on my actors list. Is he's really irreplaceable and unlike anybody else. Um, uh, and I think Anne Hathaway's that way too. Um, but does that make sense? Whether it was intentional or not, just as a watcher, if you loved Avengers and you loved Dark Knight Rises, that the, the, those two characters really I, I compared to my minds at the time. Um, and I love though that those two actresses who are among my faves if not two of my top three to five Anne Hathaway and Scarlett Johansson have done very different stuff and great work um, in, in their own ways and Scarlett's been in the Chris Nolan movie she was briefly in um, with a key role that was good uh, uh, but was important in The Prestige yeah I mean she's actually the one who starts the path of the wife of one of the Christian Bales to commit suicide Oh, yeah, that's right. Spoiler. 
this, numerous this, spoilers. Okay, the, the scene. Look, I'm sorry. Okay, really quickly, dude. I have to get. I'm gonna try and get my Anne Hathaway out early because they smartly make her uh. disappear for parts of the middle. In my opinion, uh, we are okay. We're we're just over half hour into the movie. In my opinion, while he has decent chemistry with Marion Cotard late when they sleep together, in my opinion. Certainly more than Katie Holmes and more than Maggie Gyllenhaal. In 30 minutes, he already has the best and spectacular chemistry with Anne Hathaway. These actors, these two, have great, great, great physical chemistry. The way I talk about, you know, Diego Luna and uh, Felicity Jones. I'm putting it on that level. I know it's not as much of a love story. This sort of doesn't become a love story to the last couple minutes. Uh, but also, you can say that about Jen and Cassian as well. Um, but do you agree that the, these they have a a, great chemistry and B probably the best of an, of anyone with Bruce Wayne in this series. Um, yeah, I, I agree with that. Have you watched Batman eighty nine or Batman uh, Returns? Um, uh, anytime recently? Recently, um, yeah, a few or months. The second ago. one. What was the second one called? Batman Returns. Returns. No, not not recently. I would love to watch Returns and see if Michael Keaton... I remember Michael Keaton and Michelle Pfeiffer having great chemistry, but it's been so long. My guess is these two have better chemistry just because, uh, you know... But it's also because I watched this at a much older, more mature age where I understood what actual good physical chemistry looks like on screen. I'd love to watch Batman Returns and see if it's two-way good chemistry or whether it's Michelle Pfeiffer carrying the load in terms of the physical performance. I would love to read watch it specifically hone in on whether Michael Caine has good chemistry with Michelle Pfeiffer because Michelle Pfeiffer historically had good chemistry with everybody the way Felicity Jones has good chemistry with everyone and Hathaway does not always have good chemistry with anyone everyone and neither does Scarlett Johansson and definitely not Natalie Portman in fact Natalie Portman outside of Thor aka Chris Hemsworth if you look at all of Natalie's movies she's tormented in the relationships forget Anakin Skywalker relationships are really weird the best chemistry Natalie Portman has is with Thor and with V actually and V for Vendetta they have a Amazing chemistry. Oh, here's the kiss. Yeah, now, this scene with them dancing, it kind of feels like a reference to the long Halloween because they were, like, going to, like, a party in the long Halloween when you first meet them. It's also, by the way, I mentioned this in the trailers during my multi-month lead-up to The Witcher. <laughs> here, she stole the car. Oh, I love her. She's still wearing the mask. Um, the scene where Yennefer is introduced at the or- the orgy that she magically created, and Geralt meets Yennefer for the first time. She's wearing a black mask, and while the mask is slightly different than the one Anne Hathaway is wearing, the sensual, sexy, seductive, uh, dangerous uh, introduction of that character to the Witcher... I have called uh, for sure a tribute to this movie with Anne Hathaway, especially because Lauren Hissrick, the showrunner of The Witcher, did Daredevil, Jessica Jones, and a lot of superhero movies. She's a superhero person. I think it was a direct reference. I know you watched The Witcher once. You're not a massive fan. I'm sure you remember that particular scene, though, with the weird orgy and Yennefer and the mask. Yes, yes. To me, it's too similar with the character and the mask to not be a tribute, especially with Hissrick being a Netflix Marvel lady. Go ahead. Let me let me talk a little bit about yes. uh, Lucius here, please. I mean, I think it was a masterstroke that um, that Chris Nolan and company decided let's take this character that's just the CEO of uh, of Batman's company and just make him the Q of Batman. So much so that that's become now the norm for 
every single media and comics. He's this. weirded out by the way that, that he, Batman doesn't have a request, and he's now sedu- like Michael Caine. It's the same thing with Miranda Tate, where they're like, she's quite uh, lovely, Mister Way, both right in their own way. Lucius Fox, who's less depressed by it, and Michael Caine, who's very depressed by it, are both trying to get him back in the game. And he almost left without asking for anything. And Lucius is like, uh, uh-uh, uh, I got to show you some stuff. You can't leave quite yet. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. He, like I said, you know. It's so weird that after these movies that the new norm is now Fox is his cue in the comics and in the video games. And it all came from this. It's these trilogy of movies. So uh, there's a couple. Oh, what I started before, dude, when you smartly interrupted me to talk about the actual movie. is There's a few film uh, concepts that all the great TV and film directors talk about. One is buying and selling, right? Buying uh, uh, or selling. The, the, the writer's director selling something in the audience buying into it. A related concept is, is earning, right? We, we, you, have, you have to go through a journey as a watcher to earn something. That's why, again, the mirroring of the Michael Caine scene in Italy beginning and end works for me more and more because we earn that mirroring big time. Something else that, uh, that is, um, is sold through performance is like the cliche I talk about all the time. And him still being injured eight years later and sold through performance that the combination of a little rehab and then breaking his back and then fixing his back in a hole, he can suddenly, through force of will, I mean, you know, it's sort of like Neo stopping the Sentinels through magic. It's I have to say, Bruce Wayne becoming str- super strong Batman that can take down Bane by the end of this movie after eight years of being crippled is sort of like ma- magic. But I'm willing to go along with it because it's sold through performance, great writing, and a really long, 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 uh, you know, um, secondary origin story. Uh, so again, on repeat watchings, I felt like I was earning it, and they were selling it better, and I, so I was buying it better more and more. Does that make sense? I mean, eight years of being crippled gets cr- crushed by Bane, and then through force of will comes yeah. back and beats Bane. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Woo! Um, so the magic leg thing he has to make his leg look better is from the Dark Knight Returns comic because he puts something on his arm after it was like broken to heal it up. Quick question. Do you think when he goes into that final fight with Bane, he's wearing some of that stuff? I think he, in my brain, I'm thinking even with the, you know, getting out of the pit thing, I'm still thinking in that final fight, he's probably wearing a leg thing or something. It's just he's, the the doctor basically said your body's broken for good. And he's not, he's not a, a, a super serum person like Captain America. Sorry. Yeah. So I think he might be wearing like the magic leg and in the comics, he has like a magic arm. Which is that was kind of based on that helps him after his arm was broken by yep. I guess one of the villains in that book. Famously, so, I, he Bale complained after the first movie and after the second movie about not being able to move in the bat suit. So they really worked on get more mobility. He doesn't even fight that much in in this movie, but he clearly has more mobility. Um, and what I was just saying, man, actually could be you could just say the bat suit actually has. Um, not prosthetics has you know supportive functions inside of it. It looked because it's armored, you know, in, in these movies uh, and so forth. Here we go. Here's here's your scene here. The uh, Wall Street scene here. Here we go. Uh, we're up to see Mendo again, right? Does Mendelssohn talk with American accent in this one? I can't remember. 
Yes, he does. Is it good? Because what's funny is Australians are usually great at American and British accents. What's yeah, funny I is in Rogue so, One, I if you listen closely, you can tell he's Australian if you know to listen for it, even though he's trying to talk like the Imperial British. Yeah, this... And that's this part of the looks, reason, by the way, that Mendo didn't come into, you know, a lot of roles earlier, I think, is just his inability to do accents when there are so many Australians. I mean, Hemsworth does a flawless American accent. Ruby Rose, you wouldn't even know is Australian. I mean, just go down the line. Yeah. Sorry, that's an annoying so, Bizzle film thing. I'm going to have a few of those. All right. So here... Here intentional mirroring see this uh, is mirroring of the dark knight and so that actually works yeah. for me because it's similar yet different but this is definitely wall street 99 percent thing yeah it, it, it totally is murdering civilians pg-13 you don't see this in marvel marvel you got to kill people and all the end of the world and the avengers half the universe was destroyed by thanos and then a snap brought them all back you got to have stakes and the dark knight movies have stakes they got away with it you don't have to have blood but you got to kill civilians definitively kill good guys in movies star wars does it dc does it dude we're seeing it in the rated r dc stuff right marvel it's it, the Joker, reason people Joker still call it. marvel popcorn even if they like it is cuz there aren't stakes while well, you people you think it's a coincidence that Tom Hardy in numerous movies has his face covered for different reasons in different ways? I mean, when, when Mad Max came out, it was almost a joke, and you were, you were relieved when they finally got the mask off his face. Yeah, I mean, that, and he, always, he, he loves to do the, uh, the interesting voices. I'm going to save my political, philosophical talk for when Bane has fully taken over the city, because we have a lot of time during that, where he's giving big speeches and people are acting like all criminals against the one percenters or whatever, and even Selena Kyle's feeling uncomfortable, Joseph Gordon-Levitt with old men are making stuff happen, this douchey guy. Um, oh, yeah. Know, well, yeah. He's, he's the, maybe the worst casting, but I understand what he was doing. We'll talk about that really quickly. So I'm going to save the political, philosophical talk. Yeah, so, yeah, this is definitely based, this is definitely, like, out of a comic book, like, Tom Hardy, Bane, trying to steal money from the Wall Street, and and also from uh, the 2012 stuff that was going on, or 2011 stuff at the time, with the 1%. By the way, by the way, it's so interesting that The Dark Knight came out the same year as Iron Man. Back then, DC was still in charge. Four years later, as I mentioned, Avengers outpaced this movie, which still made a billion and got good reviews, but Avengers made 1.5 and really launched the MCU to another level. Um, but dude, 
John Favreau has very openly said that he essentially used the Batman Begins script and turned it into Iron Man for the first Iron Man movie. Like, he's openly said that he took from Batman Begins. It's not surprised. Well, really quickly, I think, again, on hindsight, part of the reason I don't love Batman Begins and I don't love origin stories is everyone has stolen from Batman Begins in the last 15 years, the origin story, other than Wonder Woman. And part of the reason I love Wonder Woman, even Black Panther steals from Batman Begins. Wonder Woman is such a unique uh, origin story because of who she is and Themyscira and so forth uh, is just such a different take. Nothing to do with being a woman. Um, I, I think you comic book people love origin stories in general, um, but isn't it so interesting that you know you had Iron Man overperforming in 2008, but at that point the MCU wasn't the MCU, and then he says I copied from Batman Begins, and then it flips or whatever um, is interesting. And respect to John Favreau for admitting, you know, he admit a lot of his influences from Mandalorian, which I'm not crazy about, but I. I do like him in general, and I like that he just openly admitted, yeah, Batman Begins was my inspiration for uh, for Iron Man 1. Yeah, yeah, I'm not surprised on that And by one. the way, for the record, even though I grew up reading Iron Man, I prefer Iron Man in a lot of ways. I do like the MCU. I've cooled on it a bit other than the Avengers movie. Here we go with Batman. He's back. Um, really quickly, dude, is that... Um, I think Batman Begins, in hindsight, is the far better film to Iron Man 1. Iron Man 1's hilarious and can be entertaining at times. I love the dude, the bad guy. Uh, but in terms of a pure origin story from a writing and filming standpoint, in, in hindsight, I'd much rather watch Batman Begins than Iron Man. But in general, I don't watch origin stories. I'm sure you agree with that opinion, being a Batman guy. Now, there's two cops. The one, like the young cop and the older cop is from the also from the dark knight returns so the other thing with eight what? years of him being away is they still think he's bad and this guy's trying to take down the batman i'm gonna be a hero I, I guess part of the reason they make him a middle-aged guy who's douchey is it highlights how awesome joseph gordon levitt is as a young cop oh man and hathaway oh. in black leather and cat ears it's like even like you got a little anime thing going on you know the cute girls oh. always have a cat or fox ears in anime it's great now we won't now, because we're not going to see him much in the back costume, I just want to ask this real question. Yeah. Um, so, Bissell, what do you think of Bale's controversial Batman voice? It never bothered me. you got to disguise the voice. I much prefer to do it through performance. Um, I, you could say Bane's voice is controversial, but it was you know meant to be kind of goofy, and so people rolled with it more, and people just roll with Tom Hardy being weird, honestly. There are certain things. It's like Ultron. Like I can't understand why people don't like Ultron and the spe- like the Banner and Natasha thing. The specific things people point out. I can't understand the the problem with Bale's voice. I have zero issue with it. And Ben Affleck tried to do a version of it that was less good. Um, I, I don't know. How do you feel? I, I never had a problem with it. And, and it's I, like it, you I, know how some t- you know certain things in life you don't have a problem with until you see it on the internet. You know uh, that's how I feel about this. I I never had a problem because. You know, it's a guy in a bat suit, and he's not going to want to use his normal voice because then you'll say, oh, that's Bruce Wayne. So he has to somehow make it sound like it's not him so people will will get off the scent that he would be bat. As a comparison, um, you know, whether it's Spider-Man or Batgirl, the two youngins, 
um, in the two universes, both of them are very unlikely candidates to be superheroes, so they don't even need to try. Right? High school kids and bar- little tiny Barbara Gordon, you know, especially because her dad doesn't know in most tellings, right? I mean, Barbara Gordon is the daughter of, of Commissioner Gordon. That's important in The Killing Joke and a few things, but in general, she's not Bruce Wayne, and so her talking like Babs mostly as Batgirl, you know, that's how I hear it when I read it. When I read Batman now, maybe it's influenced by Bale. I don't know. Again, I have to go back to Keaton. Did Keaton do anything with his voice? Um, he loved, he did, he did do a Batman voice. Like, he made it sound a little, like, lower and gruffer than his normal voice. I mean, the more you hear the final Dark Knight speech, again, these movies work for me more and more. Batman Begins never quite worked for me because of the origin story thing, but Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises to different levels work for me more and more, and the specifics work for me more and more, and the final speech to Harvey you know, at the end of Dark Knight, it's just so well set up and delivered and performed by everyone around it. I just don't even think about it, you know what I mean? But it's like people hone in on things. It was like... Oh, Bruce Banner and Natasha. Natasha was sterilized. Big controversy, you know? Like, I'm like, really? Like, this is what you're honing in on with an amazing Ultron movie? Like, I, I don't know. I, I don't get little small things like that. I guess the Natasha thing was bigger than the Batman voice, but in a way, not really. The Batman voice is something people make fun of, you know? Like, swear to me! But actually, when he says swear to me, it, it's almost just him being angry, right? I mean, a lot of the classic lines, he almost is just angry Bruce Wayne as opposed to Batman. Um, I don't know. Yep. I'm not going to say I love it, but I certainly don't hate it because Jimbo, you know, before these movies, other than Keaton, you had, that was funny, uh, you had read the comics. So when you read the comics before all these movies and after, do you have a Batman voice in your head or you just don't think about it? Well, let me ask you this in general. Hold on. Hold on. Let me rephrase that in general as a reader, whether it's a book with characters talking or a character, you know, well, like Batman and comic books, you know, dialogue in both cases. Are you someone who creates voices in your head, if that makes sense? Or do you just read the text and you're not really thinking about it? Well, sometimes I create voices in my head. I definitely do. And that's why it's great. You know, uh, uh, like The Witcher I read and listened to before, but I love audiobooks because I get from the audiobook readers. You know, Again, The Expanse I did after The Expanse. Oh, here she is, beating up Mendelssohn. This is great. Uh, but I'm definitely someone who likes having the voice in my head, and it makes me read slower, actually, uh, uh, James. Um, uh, 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 no, because you're Jimbo. I call you James sometimes. Um, but uh, you know what I mean? Like I actually have had to stop myself from creating voices too much because it takes more time, and so I'm trying to read faster. It's like, okay, just read and, and, and think about the later. You know, focus on the characters, not the voices. Yeah, I, I don't always. And by the way, guys, that. we're not talking about voices in our head, like voices in our head, but you, maybe we are. Yeah, we're not. <laughs> okay, the clean slate. Okay, so. The, her, this is something, again, that's sold through performance, Jimbo. And I think my biggest criticism of this movie, 
Um, if I have to make one that remains, is that there's too many things that logically don't make sense when the Dark Knight is perfect logically. I would argue even the boat thing at the end, which is the one thing people criticize in the Dark Knight. I think that makes sense in terms of itself and the Dark Knight in general. is totally logical from beginning to end. Her being such a smarty pants and now believing that the clean slate is actually a thing, It even if she's a little provincial and just never left Gotham slash New York or whatever, right? Isn't it a little bit of a stretch to think this woman who we've been sold is so super smart suddenly believes in something that's clearly fake like the clean slate that's my opinion that's my opinion Uh, that's a character it's a writing character flaw about her in my opinion she sells through performance though but if if I'm reaching for critiques of this movie and by the way dude that's another reason I want to do Dark Knight again is it's me saying every single scene and everything is is perfect and amazing here's the voice and the Batman yeah, I mean, I I know I know people really hate that voice, but I just don't see it. You know what I love about uh, this relationship between Kyle? First of all, uh, Hathaway as Selina fights as much and as great as Batman in this movie. She's an amazing fighter. It does a lot of her own stunts, as Bale does. This is all yeah. Hathaway. You can see her face. I mean, that's not that's yeah. a stunt. There she is. There's Bane. She doesn't even think twice. She jumps. Anyway, so I was going to say, man, is the cliche is, you know, love at first sight. If it's not mutual, it's usually the woman and then the man comes along. What I love is he's immediately into her and attracted to her. It's obvious. She is kind of annoyed by him, you know, for, for meddling. It takes a while. And I always joke, if you look at the very end when they're sitting together at the table in Italy and he gives a little nod to Alfred, she's like fingering the pearls and looking around like she's bored already. Like, I, I, I think if you in your brain, if you do headcanon post this movie, I could see them not staying together forever if only because she just is, you know, it just gets bored easily. You know what I mean? And she's kind of like, I'm over this already. She's kind of a hipster. I, I like I like that a lot. I guess, oh, to that, finish the point, scene, to finish the point, she doesn't really fall for him until very late in the movie, I, I don't think. Yeah, well, I was going to say that uh, that scene that we just passed, that is very interesting because we have Bane there and it looks like he's... He's studying uh, how they fight and stuff, so he's going to probably use that to advantage. By the way, uh, really quickly, Jimbo, you're doing a great job. uh, I'm leaving this on the tape. You're doing a great job of going back to the previous scene when I talk too much. Keep doing that. And also keep interrupting me when you need to. This is another great chemistry scene between these two. Go ahead. Yeah, so like when when he's when they jump in the Batmobile. Oh, he says it. Sorry, watching. he says I doubt many people get the be- better of you. And she says when you're desperate. So this is how it's sold through performance. Is she knows she's was being dumb with the clean slate, but she has such a bad record. She had to believe it. So they even you know what? They, now watching this and listening to the dialogue, there she goes. So that's what it feels like—a little bit of self-referential humor. Finally. Yeah, but I'm just saying that. That that scene that we passed earlier, but you could see that Bane was studying to see how they, because he's going to use that to advantage when he tries to figure out where Batman's getting his vehicles from. By the way, uh, the the what I think hilarious Ezra Miller bit, and uh, uh, when they're with Gordon and, and Justice League and the other superheroes disappear. And Ezra Miller does his awkward, like, oh, so that's sort of referencing what just happened a little bit, right? Like, that's how it feels sort of right. thing, or that's how they do it, yeah. 
By the way, uh, news, I'm sorry, uh, advertisement, uh, courtesy of the Bizzlecast and Jimbo Ritter. Give us the Flash movie. Give us Flashpoint. I don't care that Ezra Miller is weird. He's a phenomenal actor, and he's a great Flash. Give us the fucking Flash movie in, f- with the Batman-verse going on. Sorry. Yeah. I see the belief, power of belief. Remember, dude, so here's what's so interesting. Is Alfred... Part of the reason Dark Knight's so brilliant is the burning down the forest. You know, Alfred tells a story about World War II, and there's a thief who's stealing um, from everyone in Southeast Asia or whatever, and they had to burn down the whole forest to get to him. But they found that he was just leaving everything he stole everywhere. And Batman in Dark Knight, uh, Bruce Wayne is like, I don't understand. Why did he do it? And Alfred says, you remember his line about why that thief did what he did? Some men just want to watch the world burn. Some men just want the world to burn or watch the world burn, yes. And that's why I call the the um, Bruce Wayne monitoring everyone's stuff, and then he gives you know Lucius the key to get rid of it once he gets the Joker. Um, you know, Lucius hates the, the Big Brother stuff. Even Lucius hates that level of Big Brother stuff, right? But I call that the burning down the forest protocol. That's exactly what Michael Caine's, you know, that's, that was the lesson to Bruce Wayne. And in The Dark Knight, these two are working together. He's telling life lessons and then Bruce Wayne turns that into Batman stuff and it's very smart you know it br- brilliantly done I should say and that's the best one is he does the electronic technological equivalent of burning down the forest right at, at, with, with the with the computer tracking thing to find the Joker at the end here they're not in simpatico you know it, it, you know Bruce Wayne is trying to get back but now, all of a sudden, again, soldier performance, not totally logical. Instead of encouraging him for to get back. Oh, you're talking about burning the letter from Rachel. Right. He's trying to hurt him and say, you're dead inside, right? I mean, you'd think he'd be encouraging him to get back. At times in this movie, Alfred seems to be encouraging him to get back on it. And times he's saying, don't. I'm afraid for your soul. And here he's just hurting him. For what reason? You know what I mean? Again, Academy Awards, every single actor in this movie. So sold through performance. A plus. Congratulations. Clap, clap, clap. I think the Nolans didn't quite know how to do this, but I will say, dude, the more you talk about this as the comic booky movie, the comic book Batman of the of the Dark Knight movies, comic books are inconsistent in this way with characters, right? And so, in in a way, it actually works with the the genre of being more like comic book movies of like just let the characters, you know, do have all sorts of character plot twists. Do you agree with me that the characters are less consistent in this movie than the first two, or just? agree uh i i agree because for me you know it's just i don't think like the stuff about him talking about like him seeing parts of the league of sh- shadows and stuff I, that did, that line to me always felt a little weird but then i just kind of went with it also as we'll get to i already started but we'll continue dude and Jim Gordon's a big dummy, and Joseph Gordon-Levitt has to save that situation. I guess yep. I guess Gordon is still traumatized by Harvey Dent, and he is continuing to not think straight for eight years. Yeah. Oh, I for- now, I, I forgot to mention that that last scene is out of Dark Knight Returns, where, I mean, no, no Batman Nightfall. So I need both comics mixed up. Can we talk video? Uh, oh, no, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. When Alfred resigns from being uh, Bruce's butler and leaves, mm-hmm. 
which is kind of what happened there. By the way, dude, I finally wised up. I have my Skype window open in case you need to chat me at some point, so I won't miss it. But you can always just say break. Um, all right, I'm going to jump in here real quick. So, um, yeah, good point. Dude, can we talk video games real quick? Sure. Okay. Arkham Asylum, Arkham City, Arkham Knight, Arkham Origins, and then you have the Telltale games, two of them. Those six video games from the last ten years, in my opinion, while I don't love or let me put it this way, none of them are flawless. For six games in two very different genres are much better than they have any right to be for a main character. I mean, they haven't pulled off a great Marvel game at all. And Spider-Man was the first one, and that's Sony, you know, the first great Marvel game. They've been pulling off great Batman games. It certainly lends it to both the action games, right? Like the Arkham games and um, oh, here, here's Miranda Tate infiltrating. Um, but also Telltale, right? Where we get Detective Batman. And I think we haven't talked about it a lot. I think you must have liked or at least appreciated the Telltale games because it's other than some QTEs, which are annoying where you bang the buttons. It's all investigation stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. That and, it's, and it feels like a calm. It feels like kind of like a choose your own adventure type of game, a little bit too. And they draw it two two and a half D to make it feel like a, a, a comic book from like you know ten years ago or something. Yeah, I agree with that a thousand percent. I love doing the detective stuff. I didn't finish the second one. I can't remember what my ending was in the first one. Um, you know, I tend to go with lore, like in The Witcher. Uh, you know, like uh, ending up with Yennefer or not, you know, like because I know the lore, I always have him end up with Yennefer, but you can have him end up with Triss or nobody. There's a lot of ways you can go with those decisions. I usually go with the lore. I'm pretty sure I supported Selena Kyle uh, in the first one or whatever it was. Um, but I wanted to bring up Lucius Fox, who's really interesting in the Telltale games, but his daughter is very involved and she's a brilliant genius. And I think. You know, just having Morgan Freeman as the only black guy, dude, let's be honest, in this entire series, Morgan Freeman, she doesn't have to be a main character, but bringing in Lucius's daughter in this movie as a young woman of color to just help out and be the, the, uh, the co-brains, I think would have been much smarter. I mean, look at this. This is a huge table of old white dudes and one old black dude. And just because Lucius in his charge doesn't make up for the fact that even way more than the Avengers movies, there's no color in the Dark Knight movies. There's another critique. Sorry. I think it's true. And there. And we missed the cameo by the. Uh, I guess the, there's a there is a cameo in almost all these movies by a uh, senator who is like a big Batman. Also, fan, so. Selena Kyle, the first and last superhero woman, or really any woman with physical agency in the three movies. The Rachels are, are you know, I, I, look. I don't know if the Nolans would change the Rachel thing in hindsight or not, but certainly the inconsistency of the two Rachels and the two actresses and just Rachel being damsel in distress. Katie Holmes, I actually do think, did better than she should have, even though she's a weak actress. And Maggie Gyllenhaal, through half the movie, was amazing because Maggie Gyllenhaal is an Academy-level actress who's been nominated and won all sorts of shit and carried her own show, TV shows before and so forth. Oh. But re- really quickly, though... The women thing is also a problem because by 2015 in Marvel we had the the Scarlet Witch, Black Widow, and Gamora, and Haley Atwell as Peggy Carter uh, in like four years, and even Natalie Portman as Jane Foster in the first movie was very empowered. Another problem with these movies, it's all white guys. Go ahead. Uh, we're about to pay our respects to uh, to Krennic here. 
He's actually Mendo's American accent's better than his British. It just goes to show the Australians can nail uh, the American accent, which is ironic, dude, because the English folks have a much harder time at it than the Australians. I have a, um, a theory about this because the outback in Australia is comparable to the West, Midwest, and South. Um, you know, the sort of frontier part of this country, which is most of the country. Um, but they also watch a ton of American TV, and so they can do the New York Al Pacino, Robert De Niro thing, which is sort of what they're doing here. There it goes. Uh, the British people have a much harder time doing American accent. Look at Mendo acting his face off, dude. I'm necessary evil. Okay. Sorry. So, can I get philosophical here real quick? Sure. Okay, Joker thinks he's a necessary evil, and Bane also thinks so. Um, I've talked about the difference in these two movies with the cops slipping from bad to good and the main people, the mainstream people flipping from uh, good to bad. Uh, we'll save that for when they start writing in this movie. But, dude, it's a clear, whether you follow comic books and Batman or not, that the Joker's reason for thinking he's a necessary evil and Bane's reason are completely opposite to one another. You want to talk about that for a second? Because Bane has ideology and a plan for the world that does involve chaos and destruction, right? But the League of Shadows, in theory, or League of Assassins, in theory, um, on both television and film and the comics, in theory, has a plan for the world. Joker just wants the world to burn. Bane wants the world to burn, but he doesn't just want the world to burn. Does that make sense? Yep. Well, in this one, <laughs> his plan is... <laughs> Sorry. Okay. All right. Um, in this one, his plan is to um, kind of make it like the citizens have control. That, that like, the 99% well, except will have... He, well, only to teach a lesson... To the people he hates yeah. because he's going to blow up the city and kill all of them. Another major flaw just to teach it is Joseph Gordon-Levitt kicking ass the entire movie and then trying to get three school buses out at the end for like 30 minutes. Um, we'll get there. Again, part of yeah, the reason yeah. the best parts of this movie, in my opinion, are Selena Kyle and Bane are they're delicious, uh, uh, you know, good slash bad characters in this case and bad characters in Bane's case. They're delicious comic booky characters and their characters are, are very consistent. It's the some more subtle characters that they stumble a little bit with the writing. Um, this is a wonderful relationship though. Again, dude, you, uh, oh, can I just really quickly to jump back to the scene where Joseph Gordon-Levitt confronts Bruce Wayne and says, I know your secret in the confidence of it. He's not afraid to talk to Bruce Wayne like an equal, and he's not afraid to not only talk to Gordon like an equal, but criticize these guys, right? And again, I think it's sold through performance of the moral uprightness and brains of, of, of this character, Blake, played by um, Gordon-Levitt. Yep. Now this is, I think this was one of the scenes that also had a lot of controversy about them thinking why Gordon would want to take the men down there to smoke them out. Or no, that's later. That's right. Thousands of cops and they all go underground. And this was a big crit- critique when it was Slav- up here it goes. He's got no pennies to his name. Selena Kyle's giving him blue balls. It, he, they, his buddies keep telling him that she's quite lovely and he needs companionship. He never loves this woman, but this certainly works to make him trust her when he shouldn't. Right. But, um, uh, but really quickly back to what I was saying, um, uh, with Bane is, you know, it, it, it all, first of all, the thousands of cops doesn't make sense. We, Aaron and I critiqued that because if you need thousands of cops, 
Let me put it this way, Jason. In the real world, and this is why this country is on fire right now, it's not the virus. It's that the cops are being relied upon or forced to, in many situations, do things that are normally handled by the National Guard. Um, and the National Guard is the one branch of the military that's not only allowed to, but is trained to work in this country, but help civilians the way they had to enforce desegregation in the 60s with the cops being so corrupt and all the racism in the South. It was the National Guard that Lyndon Johnson set um, sent. And so in this movie, if you have a situation where you have to send thousands of cops, you should immediately call the National Guard. Uh, or if it's a nuclear weapon, even, you know, the specialists in the military to go after it or whatever. With this totally unnecessary sex scene, it's fine, it's, it's sexy, and they have great chemistry too. So the best two chemistries are in this movie, one with Selena Kyle and number two with Miranda Tate. Uh, with XCA small sex scene, very tasteful, nice job, guys. Um, but, dude, forget about the cops for a second. What's even more inconsistent is that Bane goes on this long campaign to have, you know, to, to exile and kill all the one percenters and turn the 99 percent against them but it's all just a message he's sending to the rest of the world because ultimately he's going to blow up the bomb and kill them right and so what's the explanation for Bane's big long Gotham plan when in the end he's just going to murder all them also it doesn't totally make sense Mm -hmm. we could leave tonight See, this is an interesting, this is what they call a hard roll, or uh, t- to quote Edward James Olmos in, uh, in Battlestar, no one knows where this saying came from. He often says, sometimes you've got to roll the hard six. There's a lot of debate about where that saying comes from, because it sounds like a saying, but it's actually an Eddie Olmos thing. You've got, you got to roll the hard six. She just rolled the hard six there, man, because she said you could leave tonight. She needs him to not leave tonight, right? But it, it, she she's trying to build trust with him and so she says something that no bad guy would ever say which is get out of town you know what i mean when she wants him to stay a brilliant move both in terms of working in the audience that's why miranda tate works for me uh ritter i don't know if you agree is she tricks the audience in a similar way to the way she's tricking batman or bruce wayne yeah yeah and i think that scene was kind of playing on what was going on at the comics at the time because i think Around this time... Uh, oh, and sorry. And they had to have Selena sell out Batman to sell um, Miranda Tate. Go ahead. Oh, no, I got to ask yeah. you this question. Is, uh, <laughs> other than sold through performance with the amazing Anne Hathaway, um, is she, if we really think about it, is she really redeemable after pulling this with Batman? Uh, I think she He is. completely forgives her. I, I, he, I, immediately. It, I, it, just, it, didn't, it didn't sound like she really knew... What she was gaining herself into, but she just admitted that the clean slate protocol w- was bullshit, and now she's falling for another stage of, of. I mean, what she just admitted that she was desperate and did something, you know, stupid, and she's doing it again. Yeah, well, it's yeah, <laughs> maybe not, <laughs> but so cr- one major oh. critique. Here we go. Oh, uh, here comes the fight. She immediately feels bad about it, and then when the 99 percenters start murdering and robbing the one percenter, she really feels bad about her role in this whole thing, and she never should have trusted Bane on any level. Um, but, dude, one critique is, in three movies, if you did a supercut of Batman fighting bad guys, is not a lot. But I think you're okay with that, because you're a Detective Batman guy. Thoughts about do you agree with me that there's, like, if you really... Let's put it this way. As someone who's seen oh. these movies a lot, do you agree that there's less fighting than, than maybe it seems on the surface with Batman? I mean, there's this fight, and then yeah. there's the end, and that's it. Yeah, yeah. And 
But also, I've noticed in this film, from all other Nolan's films, because it seems like in Especially Begins, Nolan really had trouble shooting a really good fight scene. Mm-hmm. And I feel by this movie, he has perfected shooting really amazing fight scenes. And by the way, having Anne Hathaway watch this brutality of the fight and getting guiltier and guiltier on her face, that's why you need an Academy-nominated uh, actress. And by the way, the voice thing with Christian Bale doesn't bother me uh, also because he's acting with his mouth in, in, in a way that only a handful of actors can do. And so I, I'm focused on his physical performance so much that I don't really think about the voice. Um, but again, uh, Bale and Hathaway are you know among the 20 best actors in the world uh, in their like general age range. And Hardy's also one of them. Now, this scene, I never thought, because I heard when they announced Bane, I'm like, yeah, they'll do Bane, but I don't think they're going to do the uh, Nightfall type of Bane from the comics. We have, by the way, just between uh, Hardy, Bale, I know I'm talking about this really quickly just to recap, between Hardy, Bale, and Hathaway, we have, I believe, five Oscar nominations and two wins at least between them. And I would argue... Hardy's been under-nominated, Hathaway's been under-nominated, and Bale's been under-nominated, e- even not for win. Bale, of course, won for The Fighter, one of my favorite movies, and my favorite Marky Mark movie, easily. Mar- Mark Wahlberg almost convinced me he was a good actor, but it was clear that Christian Bale, it was the, the fighter actually is referring to the brother, Christian Bale's character, in that movie. He won deservedly, and Hathaway won deservedly for Les Mis, which is a favorite of mine, of course. Um, uh, she also should have won for Rachel Getting Married. Um, and uh, Hardy... I'm going to ask it again, man. Well, okay, you can talk about the fight while we're here. Let's talk about the fight real quick. All right. Well, we're, the fight, I, when Bane was announced, I thought they would never do the fight, and I didn't think... Is this from the comics? Yeah. I would never thought that in the Nightfall, com- they would do the thing from Nightfall comics where they uh, break his back, because in previous incarnations of him in like animation and uh, movies, they... They kind of sh- almost did it, but they shied away from it. So I'm like, they're, they're going to probably just, you know, pull uh, pull almost. But this movie, they didn't pull any punches with that. And they literally break his back in this movie, which I was shocked and surprised. They actually, you know, had, had the uh, audacity to do that. Um... Do you uh, d- <laughs> We wouldn't need yeah. like I said Well he he figured that out because he saw it in in the first fight. So really quickly film thing, David S. Goyer gets a story credit for all the um, Dark Knight movies and then Christopher Nolan gets credits for Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, at least those two. Obviously, I believe, and I think you believe, that these three films are far superior to Men of Steel and Batman v Superman. Men of Steel's okay, and you and I like Justice League, but those three movies versus these three movies, I think you agree, Ritter, get it on the tape, these are superior. Yeah, they, they are the better films. Right. So the question, so you know how, like, uh, you know, Zach Penn gets a credit on the Avengers, but we know he was fired and Joss Whedon rewrote the whole thing, but it was a contractual thing? So it's interesting to think how much did Goyer actually work on these films 
versus how much did Nolan work on. And the fact that Nolan wanted his name on Man of Steel, and especially Batman v Superman. Let's put it this way. Man of Steel, you could see Nolan being like, oh, this is revolutionary. This is a cool take on Superman. There's no way someone like Chris Nolan would watch an early cut of BVS and think that was a great movie. He's too good of a filmmaker, and yet he let and had his name on that when he could have taken it off. Um, in general, Goyer is interesting. He's also worked on Call of Duty. He's won sci-fi awards before for shit that he's done. I mean, he won a Saturn award for Batman Begins, the David Goyer, you know? So he is a talented guy. Um, thoughts about, you know, we had a self-contained Nolan trilogy here, and then Nolan was sort of a background producer, and now he's sort of completely <laughs> disappeared. I know this is behind-the-scenes uh, stuff, uh, and we're totally speculating. Never- Oh yes! Yeah, well, I always forget that these two meet. Oh yeah, that, that's right. I always because I always forget this scene. Cause She's so good at I, being bitchy. I, mean, I think like, that's part of why people, if they don't watch a lot of Anne Hathaway movies, you might be turned off because she's just amazing at being bitchy. She's not like this in real life whatsoever. She's very insecure, actually. She thinks she's a way less good actress than she is. Um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, on the other hand, is very confident guy in real life and very super smart, brainy in real life. And that's why this character who's super smart, super brainy, and super confident works. Yeah, I agree with all that. Like, JGL never plays an asshole, you know? Even when he's dark, like, in Looper. He, you know, he, he's not always, like, perfect American hero, like, here, right? But he doesn't really play the asshole. Whereas Anne Hathaway can play the bitch. She can play the helpless sweet woman, like Fantine in Les Mis, or, you know, something weird like The Princess Diaries. She can, Rachel getting married, uh-huh. she's so intolerable. That's the thing. Her first movie, she was so intolerable, and that was her character, and she was nominated for an Oscar because of how into- intolerable her character was in Rachel getting married. It turned out she had a mental uh, illness and blah, blah, blah. Okay, go ahead. Here we are. Here. We are in the pit now. This is, as in terms of extended number of scenes, probably the most controversial part of this movie um, and big picture is the pit, but specifically how long in the pit and how kind of cheesy it can be if you look at it one way um, and how convenient it is that Bane wouldn't think he could get out eventually. Does Bane want him to get out, right? I mean, part of this is what you're... For, okay, you, you've read the comics. And I want you to talk about that. But just as a watcher, Ritter, if you can put yourself in a, a movie watcher who's seen these movies... At least on first watching, this scene would be a tiny bit weird. Or this extended set of scenes, right? Yeah, well, this this is definitely a comic book type of thing because he grew up. If we, if I remember from the uh, comics, Bane, the character, grew up in a prison. So this is supposed to be kind of like his prison that he grew up in from the comics, kind of stuff. Hmm. So, and if they, I mean, they didn't, they're not going to go too far into it. I mean, by the way, for the record, sorry, really quickly, David Escoyer also co-wrote Dark City, which not only immediately and directly informed the Matrix, and in some ways the Matrix stole from it, even though it was just a year or two before it. It's one of the most underrated indie slash weird sci-fi, dark sci-fi films of all time. I don't know if you've seen Dark City. So Goyer definitely has got, has got skills. Uh, and it's interesting to see. Yeah. Keep going yeah, about Bane uh, in the Pit. You can talk comics or just straight up film stuff. Yeah, like, and as we know, this this scene is so popular um, for better or worse, that they 
have now used it in the Harley Quinn cartoon now. And, and yet, if like, you've seen all the movies and you watch the Harley Quinn cartoon, when they quote-unquote poke fun at this or, or Bane, it's much different than poking fun at Zack Snyder and the Snyder Cut and so forth. There's a much different tone. It's the same way that Taika Waititi um, made fun of some uh, Joss Whedon Avenger stuff in Thor Ragnarok that were hilarious and I know Joss Whedon liked because he tweeted how much he loved Thor Ragnarok and liked being sent up like with the Hulk lullaby, go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep, you know? Um, and the final two Avengers movies reference um, sometimes in serious ways and sometimes in funny ways, Whedon, and Whedon also loved the Final Two Avengers movies. And so c- confident directors who are great like send-ups when they're done well. You know, I'm, I'm not sure Zack Snyder cares, uh, but it is funny that sort of the way they make fun of certain properties. I mean, dude, some DC people straight up hated the Lego movie because they thought it was making fun of all the Batman movies and it was like disrespectful. I, I didn't see that in it at all. I thought it was actually Me. extremely um, reverential towards Batman, but by making fun of it. But it depends on your definition slash liking of satire and parody. Yeah. Did you like the Lego Batman movie, and/or did you feel like it was disrespectful? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen the Lego Batman movie. I I I really enjoy it, and yeah. The difference is the Lego Batman movie is funny because of how they frame the jokes about Batman. It's not funny because it's like we're making fun of you. Uh, you know, something I haven't talked enough about um, on this podcast, man, is I don't read a ton of foreign writers, um, especially ones who are like historically b- great. Uh, but one of my favorite post uh, communist era slash, you know, post World War Two um, uh, postmodern writers is Milan Kundera, who's, you know, easily, you know, recognized as the best writer from Czechoslovakia slash Czech Republic Prague in the last 50 years. Um, and his most famous book is, of course, um, uh, The Unbearable Lightness of Being. But my favorite is called The Book of Laughter and Forgetting. And in that book, he talks about a principle called the laughter of angels and laughter of devils, man. Laughter of devils is cynical humor. It's hipster humor. It's ironic. It's very sarcastic. And it's making people laugh by really being, if not mean, then just dark, cynical, nihilistic, you know, which makes all of us laugh to some extent at times, you know, like... Um, but even within dark humor, you can have the laughter of angels and laughter of angels can just be like a fart, you know, of making your friend laugh or, you know, making, a um, uh, taking a movie that everyone recognizes as bad and watching a bad movie, like a bad Nick Cage movie. Um, now that could be laughter of devils or angels, but if it's done in a fun spirit and it's more about your friends than making fun of the actual thing, that's laughter of angels. My point is something like Harley, which, or the Lego Batman, which seem to be sending up all sorts of DC things. It just depends if you think it's laughter of angels or laughter of devils. I just think they're very dark laughter of angels that actually are praising and respecting by making fun of but i can i guess see why people would think lego batman and or harley was laughter of devils and really being sarcastic and nasty i guess is what i'm trying to say this might be my only uh snyder cut comment from the movie but i loved how they ripped the snyder the snyder cut people a new one and showed them what they what they really are whiny fanboys how do they get away with that 
Do they just assume that the whiny fanboys uh, are not watching Harley, or do they think they're too dumb to pick up on it? Because that's something where um, you could it, say all of DC, like that could drive them further into the Snyder camp and say everything that's not Snyder sucks about DC. Well, at the time, a lot of them weren't watching it because they basically said, we're boycotting anything DC till they release this cut. Why do you think people loved Wonder Woman but didn't love Wonder Woman as a co-lead a few months later in Justice League? I don't know. They both had a lot of heart. Uh, Wonder Woman was a much better movie, but they both had a ton of heart. I mean, there's some inconsistencies with Wonder Woman. I really, I really can't really explain it, but I I don't understand why people didn't love it. Because I know me and you both love it, but for others, I just can't really and by the explain way, it. Joss Whedon is the ultimate laughter of angels guy. Even though Firefly can get dark and he's done even darker stuff, you know what I mean? Like, Joss's humor always, even when he's making fun of stuff, always comes from a good place and has a ton of heart, right? I mean, and like, even the Firefly crew who will murder people and steal, like, in the end, what does Jane say? You know, Shepard Book always said, if you can't do something smart, do something right. Like, even Jane comes around, and then, you know, Mal, of course, says, I aim to misbehave, but he means that in all the best of ways. They, all these he- people become heroes eventually, and I think that's the critique of Whedon by people who don't like Whedon, you know, is that Snyder's so much artsier because Batman shouldn't be a total good guy, and Superman should be dark and kill people, you know what I mean? And Joss Whedon's like, no, Superman should be truth and justice, who occasionally loses his way. Batman should be, you know, dark, but also eventually find his way you know when, when like it it comes down to when the cards are on the table and shit really hits the fan how do the heroes respond in batman v superman and man of steel they respond in various ways very darkly right even for batman and especially for superman whereas whedon you know gave us truth and justice superman and a much better henry cavill and people hated it i i, I don't understand as yeah, I point really quickly, uh, as I pointed out in one of our t- online talks the other day, I don't think it's a coincidence that you and I really love or, or, or like Ultron more than other people and, and understand and respect it, and we really like and love the uh, Justice League, J- Justice Justice League, a lot more than other people. Uh, it's also because we don't care what other people think and having unpopular opinions, but we certainly genuinely like those two properties. Obviously, Ultron is more liked by people than the first cut of the Justice League. We'll see how the Snyder cut is, but you know, I think in both cases. Says it's whether you get Joss Whedon fully or not is, is my feeling. Yep. And I think, oh, by the way, really, yeah. sorry, just to finish that thought, Nolan's brilliance is he can be and is super dark, but even his movies have heart in the end, right? I mean, all three Dark Knight movies have heart. I know the Dark Knight itself and super darkly, but even it, you know, Batman shows how heroic he is by putting it on his shoulders because of the Harvey Dent thing, right? This movie ends happily. Batman Begins ends relatively happily. Interstellar ends relatively happily. I mean, even Dunkirk, well, Dunkirk's a true story about, you know, the British winning against all odds. You know what I'm saying? So, like, and no one has trouble with humor sometimes. Let me be on, let me be clear. There are parts in Nolan movies that are too dire and, and even slow at times. This movie has some beats that don't hit, and the comedy or the humor, I should say, it, it, he could use a little bit more um, of that. And that's why I love having you know Tom Hardy and Anne Hathaway, who can both be hilarious in this film. Up oh, here goes the mayor at the Steelers game, <laughs> quote unquote, right? Um, but uh, we just missed the part where. Uh uh, John Blake basically this 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 announced guns mm-hmm. is his 
But just to, just to ask like you the question, guns. this is a leading question, both because I know the answer. This kid is great with his uh, falsetto, balls haven't dropped voice, and Bane comments on how beautiful it is. It, I think part of, because Bane sees, he's still thinking about himself as a little boy, um, although that's Miranda Tate in the pit. But he was also, you know, a, a tor- tormented child as well in his own way. Here are the Steelers. Oh, that's right. This was filmed at the Steelers Stadium. I'm going to burn down the Gotham Stadium. <laughs> Whenever he says. And then he's like, I'm going to burn down this bar mitzvah. Oh, man. Or below this bar mitzvah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's, uh, there's Mayor Lost there. By the way, my dad, who's only seen this movie once, he liked it. He loves the, the actual Dark Knight. I'm not sure he's seen Batman Begins. He liked it and loved this movie. He just saw it once. But he, like, Tom Hardy's his favorite or one of his faves. And just sending him that cartoon gif that you sent me of I'm going to burn down the Bar Mitzvah. Obviously, it's Jewish humor, so he loved that. But he, he got the connection with Tom Hardy and just loved it. He's never seen Harley. doesn't even know what it is. I guess yep. the yellow, close up, the yellow is slightly, that guy looks like Aaron Paul. The yellow close up, but you got, I was going to say, they got the terrible towels. It's a slightly different yellow and black, but it definitely looks like the Steelers, and that looks like the Seahawks. Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> this, of course, um, you know, the pretty much the only like major critique, uh, which only lasted for like five minutes, was Magneto's pulling up the stadium in uh, X Men: Days of Future Past and then dropping it. Um, it seemed, you know, uh, excessive to say the least, uh, over the top. Is compared to this, where there was a very specific reason and how cool this is of blowing up the stadium as the guy runs. Now they showed this in the trailer, dude. They showed this in the trailer. So we knew it was about terrorism. Boom, kills the mayor. Yep. Now this 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 feels like something out of the uh, Harley Quinn show. Um. Because I'm going to, well, I don't know if I should say spoilers because I know you haven't finished the first season yet. I don't care about spoilers for Harley, but okay. for other, so, I mean, if it Harley really matters, I don't think one. people care for Harley. Yeah, not really, but like it, it, it I'm going to use it because it, it's a comparison to what's going on here. Because season one ends with Joker destroying his uh, his hideout, which almost leveled the whole city. Mm-hmm. In season two, they are like in this movie, they are cut off from the United States, mm-hmm. which is a big thing. From a this is from like a comic book uh, comic called No Man's Land, where the uh, villains and stuff split up territory. Mm-hmm. Here's the classic Bane speech, and starting yeah. here, he's trying to just foment chaos but again when you add in the fact that he's eventually just going to blow up the whole city it the, the only explanation is other than just him jerking himself off sort of politically yeah. the only explanation is he's sending a message to the rest of the world which they talk about you know the world is watching this we know the world is watching this they don't have to show the world watch this oh joseph gordon left with the shotgun another uh, he's kicking ass the whole movie and then he's stuck on a school bus at the end with kids whatever okay these are um, this is some great gunplay here uh very modern uh machine uh submachine guns joseph gordon levitt's got the old school a uh, pump action shotgun. You got to love it. Yeah, yeah and, and and this is where 
Gordon Gordon kind of becomes a a little bit of a badass mm-hmm. in this because you know he has been kind of like at the sidelines a little bit a lot in these mm-hmm. few hours or so. Really quickly, somehow we still have an hour and twelve minutes with credits left in this movie. Another it's still made a billion dollars. I want to keep stressing that. Another reason Avengers did better was even though it's technically only 22 to 25 minutes shorter, the difference between an hour 40 movie and an hour 15, or sorry, two hours and 40 movie and a two hour 15 movie, uh, uh, Ritter, it, it's, it's a big difference for a mainstream movie. I'm not saying that's what yeah. caused the $500 million difference, but for a big, epic, even superhero movie that's not Avengers Endgame, whereas the final one after 11 years and 25 movies and people wanted, that's the thing, dude. People either want Braveheart, Lord of the Rings, Endgame, where it's three fucking hours, and you just go to town, spend your whole day there, or a two-hour movie experience. These Christopher Nolan, two hours and 45, while I love them, they seem to be a little long. Most especially, dude, and here's my main point, is that I don't know that this movie needed to be two hours and 45 minutes. It's not the actual two hours and 45 minutes, is that I don't know that it needed to be. But that's also a critique of Justice League, is we know that the, the Snyder Cut is going to be an hour to an hour and a half longer, and that it was supposedly that long, and so the fact that fans know that it was supposed to be that long and Joss Whedon cut it down to two hours because let's be honest Joss Whedon didn't like the stuff that he cut and a lot of that like dude the joke about the Snyder cut man is people think it just means uh, what Snyder intends it to mean that kills him right which is this is a cut of my movie but it's also in a way referring to I'm not he aware that he's aware of is that it was all cut by Joss Whedon and the people at DC because they didn't think it was good enough and they wanted to get it down to two hours sorry that was a lot there but I do think the runtime of a movie matters based on what people's expectations are and how much they want to see the characters and if you need it Endgame we knew we needed a three hour movie in fact I think the rise of Skywalker with all its problems one of it was I thought for sure it was and needed to be three hours. And the first act in Rise of Skywalker is way too fast, and that's part of the issue. One of many issues of that. Um, yeah, okay, yeah. sorry. I was gonna. I was going to compare it to Rise of Skywalker. I mean, this movie you don't really feel the uh, the minutes. And I of do. I do. After this, with the mixing of the pit and the ninety nine percenters. But the reason I feel it is my least favorite part of the movie is from is the 30 to 40 minutes in the pit mixed with the 99 percenters, both, because in both cases, I don't buy either of them. But again, back to your theory that this was meant to be Nolan's actual comic book, comic, comic booky comic book movie, then it starts to make more sense when I think about it in that frame. Up oh, there's fighter jets, so now we know that the U.S. government's involved. They're blowing up the, about to blow up the bridges. Um, or something, right? Here's the, uh, here, here's our first step into the no man land territory. If we're pulling from comic books, I'm just saying, up until this point, hour thirty five, I wouldn't really cut anything more than thirty seconds or to a minute, if that. Whereas I, as a fan, wa- as a film watcher and someone who took film courses, but not a film expert, but someone who knows a lot about it, we got another guy from the wire coming up here. Um, I think this is Bunny Colvin. Yep, Bunny Colvin. Uh, got Hamsterdam. The brains behind Hamsterdam. I could cut. I could cut the next forty minutes a lot, but we'll see how it goes. Again, I'm reaching for critiques here. You know, I love this movie, guys. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm just gonna say I don't feel the mitts here, 
unlike uh, Rise of Skywalker, where I feel every minute mm-hmm. of the movie, and mm-hmm. I've, sometimes I feel like it's longer than it actually is, which is not a good thing. Really quick side point, the greatest television shows, in my opinion, in my lifetime, uh, or my favorite at least, uh, some of them are considered among the greats, Breaking Bad, The Wire, for me, Battlestar, in all those cases, other than Brian Cranston in Breaking Bad, the main actors of Battlestar, obviously Aaron Paul, and the main actors of The Wire have had very few roles outside of their iconic TV roles. It just goes to show, you know, how different being a TV actor is from a film actor. And, you know, being a famous film actor, like, you know, Claire Danes or someone like that, going and then getting your own TV show is great. But starting in TV, if you're not an amazing actor, is very hard to move, unless you're George Clooney, right? I mean, George Clooney is one of the only examples of a like a TV soap opera star who became a big movie star. It almost never happens. I just brought that up because Bunny Colvin was there. And then we saw Littlefinger slash Carcetti, who's a TV actor at the beginning with Bane, being okay, but obviously kind of corny TV actor, right? And he's nowhere near as convincing, I don't think, in that early role of this movie uh, as he is as Carcetti, Mayor Carcetti, and especially Littlefinger, which is his all-time great role on, on Game of Thrones. Even I would admit that. I'm not, like, like Tom Hardy is going to kick and fight until the film industry ends and, and to not be on television. Here it is. He's going to read the letter. He's, this is great. And this is why the Oldman thing works. Oldman knows it's coming. He's going to completely destroy Oldman's credibility here. Yeah, this is – and this scene is definitely out of the uh, Nightfall comic because in that comic, he breaks out all the villains Mm -hmm. so Batman can put him back in the Arkham so he's so tired Mm -hmm. so Batman can finally break his spirit and his body. Okay, let's look at Oldman's face. Is Oldman at some level relieved that the truth's finally out? No, he looks horrified right now. Harvey's appalling crime? I mean, Hardy's physical... I mean, oh my god. Yeah. Build a lie around this fallen idol. He shakes his head like, how dare you, James Gordon? Yeah. Yeah, he's he's scared at first, and now he's just shocked. He never expected to come out this way. No. Oh, I forgot there was a straight-up resignation in it. Yeah. Yeah, I think Oldman almost, look at that. He's not smiling, but there's almost relief that the truth is out there. I think he's just taking it all in. And this is it. This is it. He stirs up the 99% by murdering a bunch of civilians, which you wouldn't think would help, releasing a bunch of prisoners, which you wouldn't think would help, taking down James Gordon, who's a supposed hero. That would help, you know. But again, in this movie, they, I mean, the dude, so the main critique among the, like, snobby left-wing media of this movie, as you know and a lot of people know, is that it seems to be a right-wing message. This movie seems to think that the majority of uh, uh, civilians, uh, you know, the 99 percenters, are actually a dumb mob who can be easily manipulated into murder, theft, and, and so forth, and that how easily they're manipulated by Bane in this. It seems to be a conservative message. Did you see this as... Let's put it this way. Did, we know that Christopher Nolan is not necessarily a Republican or conservative guy. I don't know how liberal he is. Did you see this as a conservative right-wing message uh, uh, on first viewing or at any point? I'm sure you came across those critiques at some point. 
a point, but I didn't think so. I mean, compared to the Dark Knight, where the you know even the prisoners turn out to be you know good people deep down at the end by not blowing up each other in the Dark Knight, it was almost over the top. Like power to the people, the average person's great. It's the cops that are corrupt. Fuck the cops, right? Like the Dark Knight is like a hashtag Black Lives Matter. This is like hashtag Black Lives don't you know don't matter or whatever. You know, like it does seem to be the opposite political message. I don't think Christopher Nolan cares. I think he's just trying to tell a story. But it's in 2012. Yeah. It, it, this does come off, and they immediately have guns. I mean, you contrast this immediately to the prisoners on the boat in Dark Knight. Very inconsistent. Forget political. Just like how he views prisoners and what they would do in tough situations. People are immediately yeah. marching, rioting. We have to imagine time goes by, and people have been you know stirred up slowly. But this is really the problem. Is not only is this 40 minutes long and could be cut. But they, they cut a part that they shouldn't have, which was showing the people slowly descend into chaos. Yeah. This, by the way, this, this is probably my favorite speech Tom Hardy gives throughout the whole movie. This is my favorite speech, but other than the amazing Killian Murphy stuff coming up with Dr. Crane being the judge, I, I, I really uh, like the t- first, other than Batman and, and Catwoman fighting at the end, and like... Uh, Everything about the final battle stuff and, you know, then, of course, the, the postscript with him in Italy are great. But from here until Batman comes back is easily my least favorite part because it's too long. It's inconsistent message-wise. And it, there's nothing in the Dark Knight, which is almost as long as this movie, in my opinion, that feels that way. And so I don't know if this was a problem that people had. Forget the politics. The fact that this seems to drag starting almost at the two-hour mark is the same problem. Let's be honest, dude. Batman v Superman. We're at 141. I checked my watch at Batman v Superman. They don't start punching each other till at least 145. You know, that's a big problem for Batman v Superman, you know, and then they punch for five minutes and there's Martha and it's over. This is obviously way better, but, you know, not even starting your final two acts or so until one an hour 45 is a problem for the average audience. Endgame had three very distinct acts that were about an hour each. Um, and so when the final battle came, it, it wasn't happening yet here, but we had all the time travel hijinks in Endgame, which is, I wanted to compare it to the final Avengers movie versus final Dark Knight movie. I can't believe it took me this long. Is that I think Endgame at three hours has a much better act structure, flows much better, goes quicker. I'm not going to say it's a much better movie because it depends what characters you like and who you're looking for. I know you adore Batman, and I do love this movie, um, but I love this movie as a movie experience as opposed to a film. You know, I think Endgame also is a movie experience, but I just think Endgame nails the, the, the act structure better. And on you know, whether I'm listening to my podcast or actually watching the Endgame movie, it, it goes much faster for me than this film. I really think this, this screeches to a halt from a writing standpoint here. And that would be the only comparison I'd make between Chris Nolan and uh, Zack Snyder, is they both don't get things going until an hour and a half plus in the movie, and then it slows down, and then there's a short, but almost too short action at the end. I'm going to talk about the Chekhov's gun principle in a second, which has to do with, if you introduce a gun in his story, you have to shoot the gun at some point. Um, And I think that this movie is a little bit in the Chekhov's gun principle, in that it really is building up an epic battle between Batman and Bane that that ends up being very short, and, and there's a lot of filler here. I, I prefer the pit scenes to the scenes in Gotham, honestly. When I'm, as much as I love Bane and Selina now, you know, realizing how bad this is and starting to turn into a good guy, as much as I love this stuff with Anne Hathaway and Hardy, honestly, dude, 
I would rather be in the pit almost this entire time. And I think the way you cut 10 to 15 minutes off of this is actually spending more time in the pit with Christian Bale and less time in Gotham and just knowing that that shit's happening in the background with Bane. Like, you could just go Christian Bale here for 10, 15, 20 minutes knowing that Bane's doing horrible things. They keep going back to Bane to show the 99% uh... doing bad things. That's my major critique more than anything I've said and anything I will say is that this drags in a way that could have been prevented by a uh, second, third, fourth, fifth pass through the script more than most Nolan movies. But be- again, I- I- there's so many things I love about this film individually that I don't really care. And I've seen it so many times that it does go faster for me because I know I love it. But the first few times I wasn't sure I liked this movie at all, specifically because these last couple acts drag and I don't think are, are written great in terms of how they flow. Sorry, that's it. I'm going to get off my soapbox. You can respond to any or all of that. Yeah, here we have a hallucination of uh, Ra's al Ghul. Will you, will you, uh, I just need to mute myself for two minutes. Will you specifically respond to the criticism I just make in any way? Oh, here's Liam Neeson. Oh, man. You can talk about this, but yeah, I do want you to respond to the critique at some point. Um, I mean, when Liam Neeson appeared in this movie, I didn't think he was going to. Because, you know, I know they were, but it makes sense. I mean, this is like the third movie you're wrapping up the trilogy i mean you might as well call back to the uh where it all began which was him training with uh raz agul one of my fewer problems so here's what's interesting this movie has way more individual and big picture problems than batman begins which is pretty tight but batman begins has some like a handful of problems that are maybe bigger than some of the problems I point in here, if that makes sense. And one of them is Liam Neeson as Ra's al Ghul. Um, it's not as bad as Palpatine <laughs> in Rise of Skywalker, but ever thinking he was a good guy, and then just the, the League of Assassins, League of Shadows, dude, I can't believe I'm saying this, because you have so much time on the CW and with Arrow, after three seasons leading up to the big uh, League of Shadows thing in season three of Arrow really made more sense. Roz made more sense and the League of Shadows slash Assassins made more sense to me in three seasons of Arrow than three seasons of The Dark Knight. And, and I don't know if Nolan, like I think you and just general comic book readers understand that the League of Shadows Assassins thing much better than maybe Nolan did. I, I'm not sure he ever really had a handle on it. Yeah. You mentioned earlier in the movie with Michael Caine. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. And that they would even oh, talk yeah. to Selena Kyle? I mean, and none of it adds up. If if they are playing free movies in the Matt Reeves Batman trilogy, mm-hmm. I, I'm hoping they hold off on uh, bringing Ra's al Ghul in because he's in this, he's in Arrow, and he's in the uh, uh, Gotham TV show. So I think we've got to hold off on him for now. It's just interesting, after what's going on in this country now, the cops' response to murder and rioting and so forth has actually been to turtle up. And the murder rate in Philadelphia, we are now the second highest murder city in the country in the last six months or so. Because the cops in this city have just disappeared. I live 
in a, a brewery town, but I'm only 10 blocks from Fairmount, which is a really nice neighborhood. The cops used to patrol around here a lot, dude, even like eight months ago before the virus because they're trying to gentrify. Since the virus started and the, and the rioting and, and, and killing, the cops have just turtled up and you don't even see cops around Philadelphia because they're like, fuck that. If they're hating on cops, like we're not going to help you guys. I'm not saying the cops aren't corrupt or some of them aren't. I'm not saying the protests aren't deserved or anything. I'm not making a political statement. I'm just saying what is going on in the city of Philadelphia, which the cops have kind of turtled up. That would have been more interesting than locking them all underground, right? Like, what if half of them got locked underground and half of them are like, fuck this city, you know? You guys are acting like a bunch of idiots. We're just going to hole up with our guns and, and our police departments, which is what's actually going on in Philadelphia right now. Although I'm not sure anyone could have predicted that, especially, you know, this many relative years ago. I mean, they kind of do that. I'm trying to think of better ways to get rid of the cops other than just locking a thousand of them in the sewers. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they kind of do that later in the movie with the other guy. So here's a here's uh, who, a comic who, uh, book question for you about the creation of comic books is I've been making excuses for my problems with this movie by saying well it's really a comic booky movie and so you can get away with inconsistencies but if I'm playing devil's advocate to myself I would say the inconsistencies in this movie are not always the way comic books are inconsistent agree disagree other um it I mean it depends because. We could assume that this is a the bat the Dark Knight and Batman Begins was one writer, and we could assume that Rises is another team taking on the Batman comic. By the way, that's the way. Really quickly, I see it. by the child, you know, being not Bane, who we think, but Miranda Tate. It, you can realize you can go boy or girl, you know, when 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 we get that reveal. But if you look at the child's face. Even though you can't, it's sort of between a boy and girl, the child's face baby. actually looks like Miranda Tate. Like, it's not as close as Baby Jin to Grown Up Jin in Rogue One, but it's pretty close to Miranda Tate's face with the facial structure. Once you know that that's little Miranda Tate, and 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 it's a very feminine face. Oh, they do get some special other. forces in here, but what do they do? Um, they uh, they get captured by Bane. I mean, dude, oh, yeah. whether it's intentional or not, having the cops tr- trying to save people from themselves, when we just had the Dark Knight, where the cops are so corrupt, and the people, you know, are acting, you know, the, you've got the prisoners throwing the bomb thing, you know, the prisoners acting more ethically than the civilians who want to blow up the other ship to save themselves, and you got the big black prisoner throwing the thing out the window. I love that stuff, because I like power to the people. And I believe, you know, people can do the right thing, and a lot of people want to do the right thing, but they lose their way. Let's put it this way. I, I, I agree with the political setup of The Dark Knight way more than this, and that's why I think the Joker works as a bad guy in the real world more than Bane, even though in the real world we have lots of terrorists like Bane. We don't have a lot of burn-down-the-world anarchists to the level of the Joker, but how it's sold with the people and the police and the relationship and so forth, does this make sense? Like, whether Chris Nolan wanted to put a, yeah. a political message across or not, the way they portray the cops, especially when we, you know, we see them do the gangs of New York. That's another issue I have with this movie. They do the gangs of New York just running at the, you know, like they're going to like fist fight with the bad guys at the end. Is is so unrealistic. Yeah, that, I, I, I can talk about that when we get okay, to we'll it. Okay, we'll get there. 
Yeah, I have I have some thoughts about that. Alright, so yeah, now we're kind of in the. Uh, do we believe that Joseph I mean, Gordon-Levitt, after the thousand cops could do nothing, Joseph Gordon-Levitt can s- save the city by himself until Batman gets them back? <laughs> we yeah. it. I mean, the thing I was like, I was going to ask is, do you think we should have uh, Bane in the Reeves Batman trilogy after he's dead? This film, all right, different universe. What? No, 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 absolutely not. You can do the Joker over and over again, as we've seen. I mean, we've had two Academy Award Joker performances, which is unbelievable to think about. You can have multiple Batmans. Bane is is not a famous enough character for a billion-dollar movie that mostly did well financially and review-wise, and everyone loves Tom Hardy. You can do it on cartoons. You can do it on TV. I would not for sure do another Bane. It would... There's... it's let's be honest we thought the joker could never be done again after heath ledger on the big screen and joaquin phoenix did it and a lot of people now like that one better than heath ledger which we thought never possible i don't think tom hardy tom hardy's too distinct the the character's too wrapped up in him unlike the joker who everyone in america has known about for the last 80 years if that makes sense like let's put it this way: yeah. the less famous a, char- a character is to the mainstream, but done well by a famous actor, the harder it is to do. That's why I think Anne Hathaway had such a high level of difficulty in this movie doing Selena Kyle. Uh, forget Halle Berry, but after Michelle Pfeiffer's classic performance in one movie, Anne Hathaway had a really high level of difficulty, and that's why I praise her so much. For the, the biggest reason is that is because Bane, most people, including me, never heard of. You know, he had to replace the Joker, but he was a totally new guy. We had multiple Batmans. We knew Bale's an amazing actor. We knew Anne Hathaway was a great actress. We didn't know she could fight. But specifically to, in my opinion, be as good or better than Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman um, is such a high level of difficulty. But again, Catwoman's a famous character, and so now we've got Zoe Kravitz, and we're going to love her too, and we might think she's going to be better, right? Especially because Zoe Kravitz is going to have three movies, man, right? And so, you know, maybe she ends up being the best Catwoman. And personally, yeah. I'd be shocked if we don't have the best Riddler in any media. And Paul Dano, I would be shocked. Even the animated series. Dano should be the, the one that everyone looks to in the future. If Dano does Dano and, and gets the material. I know Reeves can write for Dano. I mean, if yeah. Reeves can make Gary Oldman crazy in Planet of the Apes, he can certainly write for crazy Dano. Yep. We know Matt Reeves yeah, can write I, I crazy. And by the way, Matt Reeves is how I described Christopher Nolan before, in that he's very, very dark, but he's dark in the Nolan way, where there is some heart and cautious optimism in the end, as opposed to just the dark, bleak, you know, can't believe in heroes universe of Zack Snyder, which is oppressive. Yep, I agree with that. You okay over there? Yeah. Okay, I heard a, uh, I heard a thing. Yeah, I thought I lost you for a minute. No, nope, we're good. Yeah. Do, do you you need to take a break because we still have like almost an hour left? Yeah. Right, what, did minutes. you pause? We've got like forty minutes left. Can you, can you make it through? I, I, yeah. Okay. The fear of death. Right. So the 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 other cr- critique of this movie. Um, specifically from the Atlantic, and Aaron Slavutin and I talked specifically about the Atlantic ripped this movie apart for many reasons. Um, uh, Atlantic is mainstream left-wing publication as opposed to like Harper's Magazine, which is far left. Um, 
But Aaron Slavutin was extremely furious when I read him the main part of the Atlantic article, man. And the Atlantic article did not criticize this movie, actually, for the politics. They critiqued it for what they called fake, shallow spirituality, specifically that's going on here right now, which is that this whole you can overcome anything if your will is strong enough is so cliched from every major religion, but also like, you know, new, like they basically called this movie like new agey bullshit with like a very surface spirituality because on the surface, it seemed like Bruce Wayne saves himself by his force of will, you know, which is kind of a cliched and kind of shallow idea. So Levutin vociferously was not only disagreed with that, was angered by it and went off on the writer of that article for like 15 minutes. And the part that I left in, I almost had to cut. I had to yell at him, Ritter. The way I yelled at you before we started all this because of your sound. I, w- I was really yelling at Slavutin to calm down. He was losing it on the podcast. I ended up including it. Guys, if you want to listen to the, just the postscript of the old Dark Knight Rises commentary, you'll hear he, didn't, he, he thought the spirituality had no place in this movie, but if it did, it certainly wasn't shallow. Do you at least see where someone could come up with that critique? Because I can. Because the force of will thing yeah, is, is certainly a thing, but it, it, that's comic books. That's clearly someone who does not understand comic books to me yeah well a lot i'm not gonna say all but most reviewers that review these movies don't understand the comic books of it all so i'm kind of not surprised at this point i mean just to contrast it again with avengers in 2012 dude one of the main reasons people not only love the recast to mark ruffalo with the hulk but love the hulk yes the hulk fighting was great the reason people love the Hulk was you had Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man encouraging him to become the Hulk when everyone else feared him. You know, Iron Man wa- loves the Hulk and wanted the Hulk to come out when necessary. Needed the Hulk. We have a Hulk, um, you know. Uh, but more so, man, is the that's my secret cap. I'm always angry. That's so interesting because Ruffalo, when he wasn't hulking out, actually seemed very calm. And so the fact that the Hulk's secret is like let's put it this way a uh, lot here. a lot of, oh, oh here we go i'll get back to the hulk here we go here, this is uh daggett's assistant i love uh, and have a cru- male crush on killian murphy uh killian murphy you're so awesome i wish you were in tron free that's for another day <laughs> my my um my, my sort of slightly feminine handsome man crush used to be eddie redmayne but killian murphy with those eyes has taken over I mean, and I'm not ashamed to admit it, people. You know, let's let's be honest. Let's let's everyone has to relax. Let's accept everyone's sexuality. I'm a heterosexual. I can admit men that are good looking. And goddamn, is Kelly Murphy good looking? Yeah. Here we go. Death by exile. What does he say? Yeah. <laughs> yep. It's great because you see him for two seconds at the beginning of the Dark Knight, and it's kind of a cock tease to have Bane put Dr. Crane up on the judge's thing, and he looks very calm. You know, that's what makes it, like, scary and funny. Oh, there he goes. Yep. I, I, I mean, it best best five-minute cameo in this in the trilogy is Kelly Murphy in this movie for me. It's not even close. Well, don't forget, we, we see him in another scene later. So we get more Killian later on in this movie. Do you think that uh, the Dark Knight's transcendent, but part of the reason this movie and Batman begins to a certain extent um, haven't aged 
to everyone as great as maybe we thought, um, partially because it's so white and there's so little color and so few women in it. I think it's that, and I think it's the uh, maybe some of the uh, maybe some of the politics that were in it may not have. I mean, aged one of the well. major corrupt char- cop characters who's excellent in The Dark Knight was a Latino female. That was awesome, right? I mean, we don't have anything like that. These two white yeah. guys going at each other. I guess it's good that, by the way, all the rioters are white, though. And, you know, there's not a lot of people of color who are rioting. It's all white people. No. So it kind of balances out, I guess. As I yeah, pointed I out, as I pointed out, it's not until Wakanda fighting Thanos' army, when I did my endgame commentary, I'm like, finally, the black guys and the black people are the good guy army. And then you've got, you know, they were fighting the aliens and not just white people. <laughs> Wakanda forever. Yep. I mean, Marvel game set match with Black Panther for now. Yeah, DC has to come is, back big this time. This scene I was talking about how the uh, kind of the cop saw what happened with the special arches, so he kind of just is staying in his house mm-hmm. and not wanting to do anything. So Joseph Gordon-Levitt figures out Batman, is the smartest guy in the cops, even takes Gordon to task about his behavior, but totally buys Miranda Tate. Uh, here comes... I mean, look, you either love bitchy, sassy, awesome Anne Hathaway in this movie, or you don't. I adore and love her as in this role as much as I love Scarlett and Zoe and so forth in their comic book roles. I really do. And honestly, I give Anne Hathaway the best score among all the female superheroes in the last 10 years because she did it in one-third of one movie. I liked her so much, I have a... Uh, Dark Knight Rises Funko Pop in my room. <laughs> I mean, Black Widow was not loved fully until The Winter Soldier. Part of that's writing. Um, now she's iconic and is going to have a billion-dollar film whenever they release it. People already like Zoe Saldana. Gamora's a cool character. She's kind of flat until the second Guardians movie. Um, and this is such, and again, Woman. back to my high level of difficulty, and she's only in one-third of one movie, Iconic Catwoman. Zoe Kravitz is going to have three movies as a lead character. You know, that's a, that's Zoe's very lucky in that way. Anne didn't have that, but she doesn't need it because these two actors are amazing. And by the way, dude, if we had only had The Dark Knight, Bale would have still been the best, at least most interesting Batman from an actor's perspective ever. If we only had one movie or two movies, it's a blessing we had three. We haven't talked about that, man. Chris Nolan claims he wasn't sure they were going to do a third, um, I'm, but I'm not sure if that's just him saying, I like to make every movie as if it's the last thing or whether they really didn't think they were going to do a third. I really, I think. <laughs> Why is I Miranda think, accompanying well, all the cops? Sorry thought the dark knight was going to be his last and then he was afraid they were going to go the batman and robin route with his uh, films so he kind of wanted to give it a uh, you know he wanted to close the chapter on the the dark knight version of batman so he wanted it would he wanted be, to end it would it on be, his terms. right and this is my chris nolan happy ending thing he'll be dark for two hours and 40 minutes or three full movies but in the end he has a happy ending in almost all of his films other than prestige which is part of the reason i love prestige it ends on a horrifying ending for everybody i'm yeah. the worst i'm the worst i love children of men rogue one prestige i like everybody all the good guys die <laughs> oh here it goes death here it is death this is the best delivery. Or, or Exile. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> this is great. 
Where Gordon's like, I'm finally standing up. Look, Kelly. Death then. <laughs> yeah. Death. <laughs> by exile. Death <laughs> by exile. The best. Best. Killian Murphy, you're the best. Yeah. He's the only vel- villain that show up in all three movies. By the way, he <laughs> did have the most interesting character writing-wise as the one despicable soldier in... Um, uh, in uh, Dunkirk, uh, but he was by far the most memorable. In that, I mean, you could add up all the other characters in Dunkirk. He was still the best compared to all the rest with his small, but unbelievably, that was a classic Killian Murphy um, performance in Dunkirk. Just stole the whole movie, but you kept wanting him to turn it around and be a good guy, but he was a coward who wanted nothing to do with rescuing what he saw as doomed British people on the shores of France. It's amazing. Yep, and of course... And of course, he was also in his other big movie before this. Mm. What he was also in Inception. So, Papa, so my dad and I love watching good movies together. But I'm definitely a film guy, and he's a TV guy. He watches tons of shows. And, you know, he's retired; he's an old guy. But Peaky Blinders is not only his favorite show currently, but one of his favorite shows of all time. He loves Peaky Blinders, and the fact that he gets Killian Murphy and Tom Hardy. Um, together uh, in the same show, it's like he, he you know, he, he can't even he can't even talk about it. He just watches it over and over again. He loves it so much. Yeah, I hear a lot of people love that show. Yeah, I mean, it's it, you know, among BBC shows with multiple seasons, you know, some of them like Luther are, are acclaimed, but then sort of fade away. Sherlock was sort of acclaimed, and then you know, people stopped liking it. Peaky Blinders. It obviously, is much more serious and dark, even than Luther as a historical mob, mob drama in, in you know post World War One England. But I, I, I can't think I've of a multiple, a... many season BBC England show that's more acclaimed in this country than Peaky Blinders. And for you guys that don't know, I just yeah, described it. Kelly uh, Murphy's the lead character, and Tom Hardy's one of the main side characters among a great cast. Yep. Here we are. We're uh, entering. We're saying at the bat here. Also, you know, I, I'm very open about being Jewish culturally. I'm not religious, but, you know, we're proud of being Jews and it, whatever. Um, it's like our cultural background. Celebrate the holidays together with the family. You know, it's like Christmas. We've got Hanukkah. No big deal. But we love, because it, especially because it's historically accurate, that the Jewish mob was a thing in both this country and in England. The fact that Tom Hardy's a Jewish mobster, it's, it's just great, you know? I mean, he just there's nothing he can't do. And again, he plays a Jew as a Jew, but not stereotypical to the point of being stereotypical, but not hiding the fact that he's Jewish. I mean, just it, there's nothing Tom Hardy cannot do. Oh, boy. Oh, this poor guy. And again, everyone gets murdered, and then Joseph Gordon-Levitt puts his hand up. Yeah. So that, that poor guy, he was saying him notes to try to get out of there, and he's the first one to get shot. So you know what a deus ex machina is when it comes to movies? Yeah. Joseph Gordon-Levitt is the deus ex machina of this entire film until the end when they put him on a school bus. And so, remember we talked about red herrings? Oh, I don't know if that was with you. The Joss Whedon is great at co- comedic red herrings where he sets up what you think is going to be a serious thing and then it becomes a funny joke um, or, or vice versa. You know what I mean? Like This movie, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, is this perfect cop the entire time who keeps escaping, keeps escaping, blah, 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 and then they put him on a bus and he does nothing. And then they set him up to be uh, Nightwing, and he would be an amazing Nightwing. Still today, they should have had him be Nightwing. God, the biggest tease. 
Yeah, I was going to say, uh, those darts he threw at this guys are straight up from the year one comic where he throws darts that knock out the villains. We agreed, by the way, for Nightwing casting, even now, if they wanted to revisit it, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who hasn't aged in 15 years, still should be a top candidate for Nightwing. He's too old and mature for Robin, but Nightwing, with oh man, with a great back, like 25-year-old background would be amazing. Yeah, I mean, you could do it if he was Keaton's Nightwing, too. I think that would be DC's best ongoing romance, because certainly is in the in the Rebirth or New Fifty Two comics as as Barbara Gordon and and uh, I don't know which Nightwing is that I forget his real name and, and the more recent uh, ones with Dick, Dabs. Dick Grayson. Dick Grayson is Nightwing. It's still Dick Grayson. Okay. Yeah. Look now, I, I, look, I'm about to say is his heresy, dude, but I'm going to say it. I think introducing a cool Nightwing is more important than introducing a cool Robin in the near future. In the far future, especially if Pat- Pattinson keeps doing movies and gets older, having a young Robin would be great. But I think in terms of what DC is trying to do with hard PG-13 and dark R movies, uh, Nightwing, especially with the Barbara Gordon relationship, for me, I, I would prefer I mean, it. You missed a yeah, spot. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> too. Uh, now, this is the... Uh this is the uh, seeds of him scene. becoming uh, Nightwing. At this the is end of this the is the movie. message, right? He, he, this is the message where he learns from Rachel dying, e- even more than he thought before. Uh, is that the mask isn't for you? It's to protect the people you care about. Uh, this brought to you by wear a mask when you go outside and shop. Oh, that's so funny! <laughs> and people, of course, have the Bane mask as their as their uh, quarantine mask. Yeah, I have a Batman mask, but I got to repair it. I kind of ripped it a little I have bit. a Tom Hardy slash Bane in the movie question. Why do you think, other than Tom Hardy being a brilliant actor, why do you think a scary but still funny and quirky and weird Bane works? I mean, is he that, forget the new oh. Harley show where they're talking, where they're, you know, mocking or, or parodying this. Bane in the classic comics, is he also kind of funny and weird? He, he can be, and he's also, like, he can be funny and weird, but also threatening and menacing, too. Like, the reason kill, that Killian Murphy bit kills me is because, you know, for three movies, you'd never think Dr. Crane would have a dark, twisted sense of humor, and so it just surprises you in addition to being funny. Okay, Anne Hathaway leaning forward. Uh, that's all I'm going to say on the Bat Cycle. I talked about Kelly Murphy being a hottie. Uh, I'm sorry. Anne Hathaway is gorgeous. One of the most underrated beauties in Hollywood. And boy, is she in shape here. But again, you know, like Zoe Kravitz's interview where she talked about, you know, saying like, I'm not going to get my ass fat or something, but I don't, you know, whatever, you know, like there's a difference between getting in shape and like trying to starve women. That's been a positive development in Hollywood. If you look at Anne Hathaway, Scarlett Johansson, who will even put on weight for roles and so forth. That was not the case going back in the old days of Hollywood up until about 20 years ago, you had to be stick thin. That's what actually set Michelle Pfeiffer apart. She was kind of a full bodied woman, but you know what I mean? Like that's a positive development in Hollywood. Women have more control over their bodies. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. Oh, there's the butt I, shot. I One of that. a few butt shots. Thank you, Christopher Nolan. Sorry, oh, guys. I'm not objectifying. <laughs> I, 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 I see things of beauty the, and I comment uh, on them. Here it is. Here's the gangs in New York. 
Speaking Here's of Daniel Day-Lewis. Right out of the Dark Knight Rises. Right, and now um, this guy's a hero because he walks to the front in his uniform and takes a ball. Yeah, well, that, that, that was kind of foreshadowed in the one scene where Gordon says, I, I'm, I'm not telling you to go out in your uh, uniform to stand with us. This is take it. Back the this is the political message. The rioting 99% and the cops setting things right. Yeah. I mean, cops so, have to kill a whole bunch of civilians. Yeah. And here's our... It's uh, not even realistic, though. Even with the recent spate of riots and murders in this country, it hasn't nearly descended into the chaos that Trump and the right wing is trying now, to make us think. Now, let me talk about how that compares to the comic. Now, in the comic, it's about Gotham losing power and Batman and others rallying people together to work together. But before then, it, there's a scene where I guess it was gangs and normal citizens got into a fight and stuff like that. So that's what it kind of is referencing there. Yep. And they, also, this kind of looks like if you've seen season four of Arrow, that's what it also looks like. And that's when Arrow started going downhill. But out. yes, I did see season four of Arrow. Um, yeah, here we go. Oh, uh, look at that. I'm sorry. Have She's got such a nice patoot. Some people hit each other. <laughs> sorry. You know, I see Anne Hathaway in, in, in uh, interviews. She's like, my voice is so high and whiny in movies. I'm like, no, your voice is high and whiny in interviews. You're, you're low and sultry in movies. Like, girl, you're amazing. Like, have some confidence. By the way, the fact that they take all the Batmobiles as part of their arsenal is brilliant. I love that touch. Yeah, I, I love that too because, I mean... It's what Bane would do. It's talk- what a master terrorist would do. Yeah, he's a master tactician. And, and by the way, arming all the civilians with guns, a master terrorist uh, with connections around the world, you know, with the big organization of the uh, the League, would easily have access to all these guns. So that part is certainly realistic, but now they're just punching each other. And don't look yeah, too hard at the people yeah. in the far background. It's like Braveheart. Don't look too far in the background. <laughs> Not everyone's punching 100%. <laughs> Even the ones right behind that bed, but no one's watching it because you're watching these two. Yeah, these two are like this is the this is the battle they've been building for and we're like excited to watch it. It's still a little too Chekhov's gun though. It's a little too showing us the guns and then not getting the the cowboy uh okay corral at the end. And and, and this I mean, I know people had problems with scoring stuff there here at the end where he's trying to deactivate the bomb and stuff, but I I kind of I kind of, I like it. No, just just to be just to be uh, more specific, Chekhov's gun is the concept about how every element of a story should contribute to the whole, especially the ending. It comes from Chekhov's famous uh, writing advice quote: "If in the first act you have hung a pistol on the wall, then in the following one or in some following act, it should be fired." Yeah. So what do you think about the Gordon stuff that's going through it in this... Uh, well, really quickly, in this that life? goes back to my mirroring. They mirror in some weird ways, and then they don't mirror some stuff or give us enough time in others, like the Bane-Batman fight. Sorry, go ahead. What was your question? Yeah. Well, what do you think about the Gordon stuff that's going on in this like finale with him trying to locate the bomb and stuff? Do you like that or no? Ask that one more time. I didn't totally understand it. What do you think of the stuff in the finale here with... with uh, 
Goran trying to find the uh, the bomb and trying to stop it from going off. The only thing I love in the whole final act of this movie is finally Batman has a teammate in Selena Kyle. And seeing Batman with a teammate is awesome, which is why I want a Batverse with teammates, Batgirl, Nightwing, maybe Catwoman. Batman with teammates as, as the leader is so much cooler than Batman solo. Him and Catwoman for five seconds of this is awesome. So the Bane fight is, is great. You know, he's using the force of will, whatever. Who cares the reason why? He's finally... Look, it's like Cap versus Cap in Endgame. Why does older? Why does modern Cap beat 2012 Cap? It's because older Cap is more experienced, but he also has more to fight for. Because 2012 Cap, you know, hasn't seen the end of the world quite <laughs> like Cap from 2020, right? Or 2025. So part of the reason newer Cap, or, or I should say older Cap, beats younger Cap and the Cap versus Cap fight in Endgame is force of will. It's that, you know, who has slightly more to fight for? It's it's Cap from 2025, both because he's seen multiple end-of-the-world scenarios and because he's seen Peggy Carter and so forth and the Heli Atwell stuff. Yep. So I buy into that, but yes, other than the th- again the big three in my opinion of these two and Anne Hathaway, I, I don't really love anything in the in the final act. Um, oh yeah, here's the part with the the trigger. Here comes the twist with uh, Talia Al Ghul. And by the way, the fact that he is okay with Miranda Tate saying be like you got to die it's part of the part of the cause and he's okay with that was really critical to show that Bane is a true believer and that his his evil joking around is just part of his personality that he is taking the league seriously even the way he's looking Batman in the eyes and and not cowering whatsoever shows how committed he is to the cause mm-hmm. and so you know even way more than Liam Neeson or anything we've seen in the League of Assassins Bane has to sell in three movies worth of League of Assassins or League of Shadows, excuse yeah. me, right? And and uh, through the Bane Tom Hardy performance, he does it. Up oh, there it right. is, literally a knife in the gut. Yeah, the twisting of the knife. God, she's so good. She's so good. She's great too because you know she torments Leo's uh, thoughts and memories and in Inception. That's the whole fucking point of that movie. Yeah, yeah that that is the. But she's just a woman in a dream in that movie, and arguably that's another supporting actress possibility there. That's how good she is. Look at her. Her face is totally different here from everything we've seen. She completely sells it if if you didn't know the twist or were looking too hard into it. Sold it to me. And look, look, it looks like her, I think. Yeah. Bane. What's Bane's real name? Uh... I, I don't think he has one in the comics. I think it's it is Bane. He's only known as Bane. Like Joker doesn't have a real name in the comics. So that's, yeah, under alter ego, it just says unknown. Yep. Nightfall storyline. As you've been saying. Yeah, that's what I've been referencing mm-hmm. throughout the whole thing here. Oh, interestingly, did not appear till 1993 for the first time. I did not know that. Also in the comics is, a ca- yeah, is sometimes associated a, with Suicide Squad. Yeah, he was, he was a 90s character. Hmm. He, I mean, his popularity grew pretty quick. And I think that's why I was really excited for this, because 
I was reading Nightfall, mm-hmm. like, leading up to this film. And I watched all the movies up to this film, and I saw that this was the only Batman film I saw opening night. Mm-hmm. By the way, for the record, Nightfall in 93-94 was exactly when X-Men number one started with the new blue team it with Jim Lee, Chris Claremont and like a thousand other amazing comic book. That was the golden age of the X-Men comics. And it's interesting that nightfall was right in that same period. Like let's put it this way. If you're a kid in the late eighties, early nineties, like us, it was a golden age of comics about DC and certainly Marvel. I can speak towards. Yeah. Cause also the other big one at that time, I think was also when they killed off Superman. Is that just called Death of Superman? What's that called? Yeah, the Death of Superman. Which is what Snyder tried to do and failed. Poorly. Poorly. You know, the sad thing about Snyder, the real sad thing about Snyder is that his daughter committed suicide. It's just horrifying. And I do, that's, you know, that's why I don't totally like to diss him. That, that is bad. He clearly has some family issues. But the, the film tragedy for Snyder is the one film that even people who don't like Snyder think is good Watchmen has now been upstaged completely by the hbo version of Watchmen. just like even more so than joker versus joker the new Watchmen will be the yeah. one that's remembered down the road more than the snyder one it's oh man i hate You're right. yeah well i, I Death still of think superman that, 1993 yeah. nice job yeah yeah i knew that um I yeah, mean, so this, this scene this here with, uh, with Miranda Tate, who we spent way less time with than Bane, this scene of them talking to each other is twice as long as the Bane-Batman fight. That's a problem. That's a problem, I think. Yeah. Yeah, and this stuff, this is, like, that, some of the lines she's giving are very... People who don't like this movie specifically hate Miranda Tate. Lines. Yeah. This, when she goes Talia, she gets some very corny comic book lines there, like, Gordon yeah. Black, the singer, we have 11 minutes. That's something like from like a real corny comic book. I mean, of all the main characters, or even secondary main characters in this, the one that people who didn't like this movie all seem to agree on is they hate Miranda Taint. I am fine with her just because I think Marion Cotard is a brilliant, brilliant A++ actress. I know that she is, and so sold through performance again, but I've certainly heard that from tons of people. Yeah, well, I, I like her when... Not Miranda, her performance, but, but just that Tate it was well, such an obvious bad guy, at least in, in retrospect. Yeah, but the problem is, is when they uh, reveal her, then they give her some real, like... No, this is my one criticism, but they give her some... Like, some scenes, they give her some really corny comic book lines to deliver it there. Which I... Because that might have been some... Maybe Goyer or someone might have done that. Not sure. I mean, Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises seems taken straight from Nightfall to me. Reading the summation. Yeah. Well, Rises is is Nightfall. Dark Knight is definitely playing on the long Halloween stuff. Mm-hmm. By the way, I think part of the reason Snyder did what he did, other than not being a great director, in my opinion, is that he wanted to do Batman, but Nolan got it, and so he got quote-unquote stuck with Superman, but he's like, I'm going to make Superman like Batman because I wanted to do Batman, and that's all my brain can handle. I can't handle truth and justice. 
By the way, just for the record, the Death of Superman comic in 92 was very controversial, like the recent Cap Nazi comics, and got covered by the entire mainstream media and was very, very controversial among both comic book fans and the mainstream. The only when it was other announced. thing I could think of in Batman history that is that controversial might have been the uh, Batman wedding by my favorite favorite writer. <laughs> I always confuse. Bob Kane's the creator of Batman. Who's the one you hate? Tom King? Uh, Tom King. Okay. Yeah, he's the one who wrote The Wedding, and... Was that your Bizzle bing- a... Bingo line? Yeah, okay. yeah. So we got it again. Well, I love that you call it Bizzle Bingo, as if I have a problem with Tom King, but that's okay, because you're part of the Bizzle cast, so it counts. Yeah, it does. But also, if you hate him, um, I hate him. I don't. Need, I, I'm. 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 I'm like a. Donald, I'm like a trumper. I, I don't need to know anything. If you hate him, I hate him. The other one that was covered by every night show this media outlet was. This is the worst. Big, this is the worst. This is oh, actually yeah. the Chekhov's gun. I'm sorry. More than Bane. This is the Chekhov's gun not happening with Joseph Gordon-Levitt because Joseph Gordon-Levitt way yeah. more than Bruce Wayne or anybody they sell as an American hero the whole fucking movie and then this. Yeah, the other thing that was very controversial was uh, the one where the, in the comic they had uh, someone have us show Batman. So here Bruce. the cops are bad. So the cops inside Gotham are total good guys trying to stop the evil yeah. civilians. Here the civilians are just trying to escape and the cops are bad guys. It's just this movie yeah, makes no sense and, the, and here, yeah. here's the re- yeah. here's my final sorry final thing and then we're gonna enjoy the rest of this movie the main from a film perspective the avengers script and performance in 2012 from beginning to end makes total logical sense and this movie does not that's the main problem in hindsight as a film person forget the mainstream yeah i mean i, I agree with that but, Especially after the Dark Knight, yeah. I think it was the contrast more than any. I think if this came out as a standalone Batman movie, people actually would have responded even better to it. I think it's just in contrast to the Dark Knight with four years of waiting. You know, it was like uh, this is just the big budget finale. That's not nearly as cool as the Dark Knight. You know, that's why I called this the yeah. Ultron of, of of the series. Even though Ultron's second and this is third, it's sort of the same reception. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and. And for oh, the record, for the record, both Ultron and this movie remain having high uh, audience scores across the internet. D- whatever you look at, Metacritic, IMDb, both this and uh, Ultron have high scores. So it's only the nerds that really were loud about disliking this movie and disliking Ultron, from what I can tell, because they yeah. both made a shit ton of money yeah. and got great reviews. Yeah. Um, what was I gonna say? I find it funny that in this movie that it's not Batman who takes out Bane in this one; that it is. Uh, Catwoman. She's, I'm uh, telling you, Anne Hathaway is actually the one who steals the movie. Yep. People will never say it, though. They want the manly Bane. They don't want a female superhero, only Wonder Woman. But even that, people are like, ah, Wonder Woman's flawed. The end sucks, blah, blah, blah. Men find so many reasons to hate on female superheroes, even Wonder Woman. Sorry, guys. I know DC has dark endings with big battles. That's comic books, and the Ares was probably way better for me than any of the Zack Snyder ones. That's the truth. Yeah, yeah we want it to be... It, it, and if you complain that uh, that we don't want politics in my comic books, there are politics yeah, yeah. in a lot of comic books. I think Christopher just, Nolan, yeah. to go back on that point, was challenging us with the Dark Knight vs. Dark Knight Rises. He was saying, I'm not going to give you a view. I'm going to give you two views, at least, and you can think about it. 
Yeah. So. Yep. Uh, here we go. This is the. Uh, this is awesome. This is great. This, the, now I'm loving the movie again. It's him and Catwoman kicking ass, taking down the real bad guys. And, and you have, and then you have a uh, Lucius Fox quarterbacking. Would you agree with me that it's impossible for Anne Hathaway to be rated high enough for her contribution to this movie? Uh, I, I would say so. I was going to... Like, let's put it this way. Him not having a teammate in this final scene of the final movie would have been really disappointing in in comparison. Yeah, it would have been. It would have been. Right? Don't you agree that Batman is great that he can work alone, but in the end he does need teammates, and that's why Batgirl's so great in the comics? Batgirl's the one who sometimes says, Bruce, let me help you. You're acting like you don't want help. Like, let me help you. This is the part that I know a lot of people complain about is her quote-unquote death scene just say that is this part and then they don't like Miranda Tate so we'll ignore that really quickly dude just to compare Metacritic from critics 84 for Dark Knight 78 for Dark Knight Rises so barely a difference now the user score is 9 versus 8.2 which still isn't that much of a difference 8.2 from a user score for a movie is excellent on Metacritic People and critics liked this movie. It's only in hindsight from super nerds who won a certain... It's Look, the, the Snyder people had reason to complain, and people who like Marvel and not DC complain, you know? I mean... Yep. And we're... Yep, and we're going Another to long... This is the problem, is they, they did a great job teasing Tate, and this is the second long Tate scene. Yeah, well... Yeah, Forget the fake death being nothing. not good. It, that's not her her wheelhouse, you know. They, they, like, let's put it this way: there should have been, if they're going to spend fifteen minutes on Miranda Tate, let's take those fifteen minutes oh, and give it yeah. to this woman right here, Selena Kyle. Oh, here's the kiss. Yes, I totally buy. Oh, Fast kisses go. don't always work. This one is great. Yeah, that that one's awesome. That's a great fucking kiss. And here comes the. Uh, Probably my favorite performance from Goldman in this whole movie, other than the uh, mm-hmm. the scene where he finds out about Bane reading the note. And by the way, if Selena Kyle loves you, and you could tell that it's love and not just lust with that kiss a little bit, you know you got something good going on. Because even though she may be someone who sleeps around just for fun, she mostly would probably treat guys I, like shit. Up oh, here it is. Here's the reveal. Yeah, I said this is probably the best. Per- Second best performance from Ullman in this movie. Here we go. I mean, he, you had to sell that, you know. You had to really sell that. Because, and I think it, it worked. Do you agree that that reveal, like, worked or not really? Well, I'm sorry, which reveal? I'm just watching this. Which reveal? About, about finding out about um, Batman being Bruce Wayne. Oh, uh, telling Gordon it makes me gives me chills every time. Yeah, that, that one's like, oh my gosh. And that's the thing. I complained about that forty minute stretch. The last twenty twenty five minutes, other than the Joseph Gordon Levitt thing, is is awesome. In fact, this now, is this... the best stretch of twenty twenty five minutes action in the whole series, other than maybe the Joker on the streets of Chicago chase in the middle of Dark Knight. Yeah. Now this this is the. Uh scene that's kind of at Dark Knight Rises where Bat 
where this is beautiful. Quote, quote, yep. By quote, the way, quote, the other problem. Sorry, dude. Sorry. The other problem here is this is exactly like Tony Stark throwing the nuke up in space. And the problem is this came out two months after the Avengers. So we saw Tony Stark throw the nuke up in space and fake die. Now we're seeing Batman take the nuke out to the ocean and fake die. It's not their fault. It it was just a bad number of coincidences. And the fact the Avengers overperformed that hurt this movie slightly. They probably thought they were going to make more than the billion in this movie. That's beautiful. I was going to say that this is kind of out of the Dark Knight Rises comic. Because in that one he quote unquote dies. But actually, he has a, mm-hmm. he's teaching it a, a new mm-hmm. era of superheroes how to uh, mm-hmm. his methods and stuff how to be Batman. But why does the Iron Man quote unquote fake death work better? The reason it works better is given the tone of the movie and up to that point with the Avengers and Robert Downey Jr. You know he was not going to die. And it was just a matter of how he was going to wake up, and it's the Hulk screaming at him, and he's not even scared that it's the Hulk. Here, everyone's pretending like he's dead, and then we have a teary funeral, right? I mean, this is... Look, again, I'm going to say, the main problem in this said, movie is they oversell some elements and undersell other ones. I, I, they they could have used another brain on this film um, with the script. Yeah. Yeah, they could have used... But that's... They could have used... That's, the, just to be clear... When I, all my complaints combined would have taken this from an A minus, strong A minus to an A or A plus. Dark Knight being an A plus. That like that's literally for all of the quote unquote problems I've mentioned. It's literally the difference between A minus and A plus. That's it. Yeah. Now, yeah, I forgot that at the end of this. Uh, here's uh, Michael Caine again, who was gone for almost most of the movie. I think the other thing is, man, and the reason Marvel's dominated is as great as these actors are, as great as these movies are, and this is the best Michael Caine ever. This is the best. Yeah, this he is. This is his career-making performance in all these three movies. Well, according to the Academy, he has at least one of these every decade. So oh, I'm, I'm, at, I'm at, in these. Movies. Oh, in these movies, for sure, for sure. Again. Sold through performance, the fake death of Batman through Alfred. Like they keep finding ways for their best actors, which are most of them, <laughs> to sell uh, inconsequential things as consequential, or vice versa, illogical things as logical, or vice versa, through performance. It was the Batman. Yep. It was the Batman. The Batman. And I got chills. I got chills. I like happy endings after really yeah. dark movies. Yep, and we got the statue of Batman. This was a great choice of old man still being tormented by this whole thing. He looks at Batman and goes, you are so much better than me than I even realized. Yep. But Gordon's kind of hard on himself. wasn't really his fault. Yeah, that, that kind, they kind of do that. I mean, this is... Yeah. I mean, this stuff is really good. I mean, a lot of this stuff is kind of what they try to do with that. Um, with like what I heard from that last episode of Arrow, but they failed at. So I, let me fun. ask you, dude. Let me ask you. Seeing these three movies, loving Batman, but you see the end, 
And if it wasn't clear that this was just going to be a trilogy, and if it wasn't clear that Christopher Nolan was done, and if it wasn't even clear other than the Robin tease here that this was going to be a standalone and not related to anything else, when you see him with in Italy at the end, totally retired as Batman, was there a part of you that was like kind of bummed, like knowing that this Batman story was clearly completely over? Oh, I was I was really upset, but I also, you know, at the end of this movie, I was really happy because I had a big smile on my face when, after this movie. Because they earned it. They earned it over two hours worth of minutes. Again, buying and selling, I've criticized, but the selling of the end, I buy it. We totally earn it. That part of the Chekhov's gun is totally on point. They nailed the happy ending for, for Bruce Wayne after three movies. Here it is. Yeah. Plus, Michael Caine makes everything work. Yeah, yeah, he 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 can he can sell every scene. It's like you know when you go to the like the the backpacking outdoor store and they've got all the the Swiss Army knives and some of them have like five things and other ones have like a thousand. Michael Caine's like the biggest Swiss Army knife with like a thousand things. He literally can do anything at any time, anyone, any place, any movie. Yep. And here's the. Uh this is the biggest disappointment for real fans, I think, is not the retirement of Batman, but that we didn't get a, a Nightwing. I mean, people like Joseph Gordon-Levitt. He is a liked actor yeah, and a respected actor. I, mean, I was hearing Nightwing or Batman Or Beyond. just make him Batman. Just make him next Batman. Yeah, that's the other thing people thought he would have been, too, the next Batman. And this is the opposite of smashing the, the bat signal. He's not yeah. scared of the bats. How symbolic! That's great symbolism. He's not scared of the bats. It, this was, I mean, that was like shot for shot. I got shells. Oh man, the drums when he sees, the, dude, that little look at look at Anne Hathaway. She's looking around like she's bored. I love that choice. She's not bored. She has a smile on her face, but she's Selena Kyle. She's mischievous. I love it. That I've I've had chills for the last fifteen minutes. That's the thing about this movie. Who says she's not stealing stuff that he has retired? Yeah, totally. She probably just robs him for fun when they're hanging out. Great. Awesome movie. Awesome movie. We, we can do a couple quick final thoughts. It was a really long one. All I'll say is for all my critiques, you know, for two hours and 40, let's see how long the actual movie was. Two hours, two hours and 37 hours. minutes. For two hours and 37 minutes, there's a 30 to 40 minute chunk that I think I could have either cut down or refocused. It doesn't necessarily need to be shorter, but there's a 30 to 40 minute chunk from an hour 40 to about 20 to 25 minutes ago that I could, maybe 30 minute chunk that I, I maybe would have done differently. Thank you, Bob Kane. Go ahead. I mean, there was a choice. If I mean, if there was a choice in the movie I would have changed is maybe have him climb out the second time and get out. Instead of having to try to climb it like three times. We didn't want to talk about that. Did you, do you agree with my overall statement that if we're going to have a big thing in the pit, we should have just stayed longer with Bruce Wayne and just known that Bane was in the background? There was too much, like the 99 percenters riding. We didn't need that, and we'd rather have more time with Bruce Wayne? Yeah, we should have. But if we're doing the thing that we are doing in this movie, I would have cut that climbing out of the pit down to maybe two times in the second time he gets out of the pit. Do you think Christian Bale was at all concerned or upset? Um, this is totally hypothetical that after the first movie, Bruce Wayne isn't in it as much as you think. Um, or I think he just trusted the Nolan's vision from beginning to end. I think, I think he trusted Nolan. Cause yeah. 
He he complained. Now he's a family guy and much more relaxed. But he used to be a hothead. But he was known to not be hotheaded during the production of these particular movies because he liked and trusted Nolan so much. To answer my own question, yeah. I mean, again, he he won for the fighter best supporting actor. He's in it maybe more than Mark Wahlberg, but because and he is actually quote unquote the fighter that the movie's about even though it's you know on the surface about Mark Wahlberg who's fighting it's really about his fight to stay alive and not do drugs and stuff it's about Christian Bale and he deservedly won an Academy Award for that um, but you know what I'm saying and, and also he got nominated but didn't win for the the big uh, the big short I thought maybe he should have won best supporting so he's Look, Daniel Day-Lewis always has to be the lead. That's the main difference with Bale, is Bale will happily take a meaty but clearly supporting actor role if it's a great director and a great script and a great cast. I mean, the big short, you know, from Gosling to um, uh, to uh, to Steve Carell, I mean, a, you know, amazing cast in that movie and a great story. This was an amazing cast, great story. Um, I wonder if he, uh, really quickly, dude, we'll do final thoughts, because we're going to, guys... Um, uh, I might tag this also in the beginning, uh, Jimbo, um, is we are going to do a Batman discussion about these movies, about maybe about the originals, like about all the Batman in the movies up to this point as a sort of preview um, for the Batman, which I believe we'll wait till after August 22nd to do that discussion. I, I think we should. Yeah. yeah, we'll probably wait because we're probably going to have a, a DC fandom episode right before then. No, we didn't talk nearly about the new movie uh, other than uh, Catwoman, Zoe Kravitz. Um, and I think part well, of that is because... Yeah, I, did ask about, I asked about Bane and stuff a little bit. You did, too. you did, you did. And I talked about Dano. I, should be one of the classic DC villains ever. He's going to rub some people the wrong way because Dano always rubs some people the wrong way. He's not going to be universally loved like the Joker characters. Um, people forget, dude, going back to the early Joaquin days with the Gladiator, that Gladiator character and some of Joaquin's early roles really rubbed people the wrong way now people love watching Joaquin Phoenix it hasn't always been that way Dan though is always going to rub some people the wrong way because at times it seems like he's not a good actor but that's just Dano being Dano um, and, and you know there will be blood is my favorite movie the last 20 years I had to get over not loving Dano now I love psychotic Dano I can't wait for the fucking Riddler that's because it's not that interesting of a character and Dano's going to do great things with Reeves with that role um, but I, I did want to mention that the reason I brought up Kravitz more than Pattinson is I feel confident that Kravitz is going to be an awesome Catwoman I'm pretty sure Pattinson's going to be an amazing Batman, and he keeps getting film roles, dude. And as I told you, I keep hearing people getting more excited for this movie and excited specifically for Pattinson and getting these big film roles, uh, you know, with Nolan and now the Tom Holland movie is just more good signals that it's going to be great. It's just that Kravitz has more of a record of being a fan favorite uh, outside of the Twilight crowd. It's the only difference. And, and of course, Batman being the main character, there's way more pressure on him. Um, But I would say after Michelle Pfeiffer and fucking Anne Hathaway, there's some pressure on Zoe Kravitz, dude, uh, uh, and there should be a good a good type of pressure. Because uh, my final thoughts about the characters: this movie is about Bane, Batman, and Catwoman. Those are the three characters that matter in this movie. Michael Caine's amazing; everyone else is great. Um, but this movie is ultimately about Batman on the far good side, Bane on the far bad side, and Catwoman in the middle. Right? I mean, that's that's the the, the character spectrum in this film. Yeah, I agree, and then. Uh... And they're going to do that in the Batman 2. Sorry. Paul Dano is going to be the big bad guy. Batman's going to be the big good guy. And Catwoman's going to be in the middle. And that's how it should be. And, and Penguin's in there somewhere somehow. 
And by the way, part of the, another reason to get Batgirl in there, okay, maybe even if it's not Babs, part of the reason to get a Batgirl in there is because Batgirl has an even pure, much pure heart and is way less tormented than Batman. You know, she's just a good person all the way to the core. And so she needs to be Batman's, um, remind Batman, you know, in, to, 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 you know, I mean, Batman's clearly the leader of the Batverse, but you know what I mean? It, like Robin, Robin and Batgirl are there to sometimes remind Batman not to lose his humanity, right? That's sort of part of it. And in this movie, right. Selina Kyle, who's bad starting, stealing from him, and then sells him out when he should die for Bane, ends up being the one to to uh, reclaim his soul. And by the way, dude, we need to talk about this. Um, and I'll give you final thoughts, and we'll wrap this up for now. This is great. I have to say this, which is... Wait, hold on. I got a cough coming. I'll cut this. I'm going to cut this. I'm, I'm about to cough off mic. Go ahead. To talk about your final thoughts. Um, I'm going to cut that part. <laughs> My final thoughts are this movie is... I mean, it still holds up. I mean, it, it's not The Dark Knight, but it is a really fun movie for people to watch. And, I mean... If you're not, if you don't understand, if you don't like these type of movies that are very, you know, kind of comic book and, you know, don't understand what's going on or intentional cheese, intentional cliches, you got to like that stuff. Yeah. 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 I mean, you just got to go, go with it, you know? Mm hmm. Um, my final thought, uh, Jim, before I coughed off mic there was, um, that not only and this is again i'm gonna finish with praise of bale who i love as a alternate version of um uh of you know batman bruce wayne you know the talking point for people who like bvs was uh christian bale's a better bruce wayne and affleck's a better batman or vice versa for people who defend that movie i can't remember i think they, they everyone thinks that he's a better batman Right, because great, cause, right, because even though Affleck is more of a heartthrob, Bale plays the Playboy better than Affleck does. Um, oh yeah. It, let's be honest. Ben Affleck, ten years before Batman v Superman, when he was done doing Pearl Harbor and bad movies and started doing good movies, would have been the perfect Batman. But they got him too late when he was already jaded and screwed up in the head. He never committed to it. Right. Bale fully committed to this for three movies. Ben Affleck couldn't even commit to it for one in terms of his performance. In my opinion, he's the one that dr- brought Justice League down. Even though his performance isn't terrible, everyone does better than uh, in terms of their potential. I think everyone does like. Gal lives up to her potential. Even Ray Fisher, for the most part, lives up to potential. Ezra Miller lives up to more than his potential. Uh, well, Ray Fisher's potential is very low. So when I say he lives up to it, but Ezra's potential is very high. Ezra Miller and Ezra Miller even exceeded that, um, and, and so forth. It, it, what I'm saying is, while Ben Affleck was fine in the Justice League and good at points, he didn't live up to Ben Affleck in the town potential. He certainly didn't live up to Ben Affleck in the Accountant, which came out later that year. You know why? Because he didn't have Anna Kendrick to keep him smiling. That's the thing. You need he needed Andrew Kenick for one last great movie. And since then, dude, Ben Affleck's done nothing really notable. Uh, but the accountant was amazing because of Anna Kendrick. Anyway, enough about Anna Kendrick. The point I was trying to make was we earned that smile from Christian Bale at the very end from three movies of suffering and fighting. But you know what? We never see him smile that naturally in. What's a combined, what, eight hours over three movies? We never see him Mm -hmm. smile a real warm, 
laughter of the angels deep from the heart smile one time. And so we actually earned it in the moment as well as over three movies, if that makes sense. That's the brilliance of Bale and Nolan. That's my final yeah. thought. You go ahead. Yeah. At, at, we, we, we earn at the end of this movie that Bruce Wayne stops becoming the mask and actually becomes his real self. Unlike the other movies where it was indefinitely the mask for Batman. All right, so I'm going to ask you one or two quick hits to finish, and thank you for doing this, man. Um, first is rank the three Dark Knight movies. Um, well, let me put this. Well, let me start with this. Do you definitively have these three movies as the best three Batman movies ever? Um, or, yeah. or your three favorite? Yeah. So my ranking would be for. If we're just talking about these movies. Talk about the trilogy, but answer the question really quickly. Do you have any other Batmans yeah, above yeah, these I three? Do. I do. I do. You do? Oh, Batman uh, Mask of the Phantasm? What? Well, I... I oh, no, you're saying well, you do I, have these I, at the top. Yeah, but I separate okay. the live-action Batman movies from the animated L- Okay, Batman let movies. me put your feet to the fire, and then you'll rank these three movies. I can put your feet to the fire. If you can only have three Batman movies for the rest of your life and the rest are burned and not accessible to you, what three Batman movies would you have? You personally. You uh, don't have to impress anyone here. You personally. It could be Batman and animated movie. Go ahead. All right. So it'll probably be... Because um, I would have these three, but that's I'm not as big of a Batman fan as you. Yeah, well, I would probably put The Dark Knight. Um, Batman Begins. Batman Begins, probably. And, and then it's I am the toss one. Um, my animate one would probably would be Batman Under the Red Hood. So that's smart because you could still say you like Rises better, but you want to have one animated movie for the rest of your life. That's very smart. I like that. Yeah. I like that. That's like saying, you know, if I had to pick all the X-Men. Well, that's not true. I can easily do X1, X2, and Days of Future Past. Never mind. That's easy. Even though I like the animated series. But I get to where you're coming from. Um, okay, so rank these three. Well, obviously, no, you just said it. Dark Knight, then Begins, then Rises. So let me ask you this. Is there a bigger... Well, actually, okay, go ahead. Yeah, yeah that, that sounds about right. Yep. Is there a bigger gap in liking between Dark Knight at 1 and Batman Begins at 2? Or is there a bigger gap or fall between 2 and 3, if that makes sense? Like, for me... I have this and then rises and begins. For me, Dark Knight is clearly the best, and then two and three are pretty close. That's how I feel. Yeah, well, I think if we're going just like live action, I mean, there's a little bit of gap between begins and rises because I wedge 89 between those two. Mm. But it's we are no, very excited it's about the- yeah. Yeah. Let me ask you this. What? Let me ask you this. Could and should Keaton's, even if it's only a partial role in a couple movies or a movie or two, is it possible Keaton's return, even if we never see him don the bat suit, but he's just old Bruce Wayne doing Bruce Wayne stuff, is it possible that that will actually enhance his legacy as a Batman this many years later? I would say Birdman enhances his legacy as a Batman because he so clearly understands his legacy as a Batman. That's what Birdman was all about. I mean, it already was enhanced with Birdman and the Vulture, but I think this will enhance 
it more than it already has been enhanced. If, Can that, you, if that makes sense. Why do you think – so there's two reasons. So Birdman actually gets very mixed user scores, but there's two reasons. One is just – the weird music and the, the, the psychotic feeling of the whole movie is just really uncomfortable and just people didn't vibe with the film. That one I understand. But Batman fans who felt like it was making fun of Batman, again, even more so than Lego Batman, I don't understand that. I thought that movie was just about Michael Keaton in an alternate universe, even more tormented by being defined by Batman. Because Michael Keaton, dude, has, let's put it this way, there are a number of people, and this could happen to Chris Evans, and this could happen, now Chris Evans has been in a bunch of movies, but this could happen to some other people, but like, as much as Keaton is seen by some people to be defined as Batman, he has done phenomenal films before and since then, even before Birdman. And so, just like in Con Man, how Alan Tudyk and Nathan Fillion are like exaggerated, pathetic versions of themselves, in Birdman, he's a much exaggerated, more psychotic, mentally ill version, uh, even more so, of Michael Keaton, right? So I don't see how that movie right. is insulting Batman. If anything, it's a love letter to Batman, but also that movie is specifically a critique of the Hollywood press um, and the the in the Broadway press. That's why the horrible woman in the movie who rips him until the end is 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 a, is a member of the media. And it's all about how actors are tormented by their image, specifically by the media. But people see that as an insult to Batman. I don't want to talk about Birdman too much here. I know you like that movie, and as a Batman fan, I like that you like that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like that movie. I mean, did you agree with what I said before? Like- and then. We'll really wrap up, which is a very cool, even small supporting performance by Keaton as both an older Keaton and an older Batman in a couple of these films, if it's done right, especially if it's how I want, which is he starts with Flash and Flashpoint, and it, but the final bit is with him mentoring or even briefly appearing to Pattinson's character at some point. If they do that over two or three movies, even with a small role, I think that enhances historically him as the uh, at least as good as Bale, because he'll have done it you know 30 years apart or whatever, which is super impressive. Yeah, I mean, I said when we talked about it on the last podcast, I said yeah, they should do that. But oh, and by I mean, the way, we'll sorry, really happens. quick, one more praise for Bale is Bale could have opted out of the third movie. Four years is a long time. He had a lot going on. He could have said no or put up a big stink. He did it. And I think, given how in demand Bale was at that point and how acclaimed he was at that point. Four years after The Dark Knight, which was basically perfection, Bale must have known, as good as Rises might be or or was, it could never be The Dark Knight. But for him to throw himself in it, uh, let's put it this way. Of all my critiques of The Dark Knight Rises in two hours and 45 minutes, there's not a second where he's mailing anything in and is giving less than 100%. Yeah. Every actor, there's not a second... Every problem is with the writing and the structure, right? I didn't criticize even the Miranda Tate thing. It's all the writing and structure. Every single actor in that movie, from the top ones that we mentioned, all the way on down to the support characters, and even the douchey cop, are giving 1,000%, and that is due to Christopher Nolan. All respect to Chris Nolan. I like him more and more over the years. Brilliant director with Paul Thomas Anderson and two, one or two others. The best uh, in my adult lifetime. Thank you, Christopher Nolan, Christian Bale, and everybody. That's really my final thought. Now I want you to give uh, Jimbo uh, a, a big picture Batman stuff to close, and we'll really close. Yeah, like I, I would say that he, like to your comments, Bale is one of the is given a hundred percent performance. I mean, the only other actor in comic 
that does actually not two other actors in comic book properties that I know that are like the main character that I've seen that with it would have been Chris Evans as Captain America and Hugh Jackman as Wolverine given 100% of their performance right but again two iconic historic characters who here's the difference Uh, or not let, let me make the difference here Wolverine with Hugh Jackman and Chris Evans with Captain America. In my opinion, I know way more about Wolverine than Captain America historically. I know a lot about Wolverine. Not for one second in the comics is Wolverine anywhere as deep as Hugh Jackman is at the first two minutes of X1. Hugh, and I talk about this in my unreleased X1 commentary, which might be interesting to do. I did release X2 at some point. I never released X1, which is in two minutes at the beginning of X1, Hugh Jackman is already more dimensional than Wolverine ever is. That's part of Wolverine's character in the comics. Like Even when he's deciding to kill or not kill, he's still two, two and a half dimensional at best. Hugh Jackman with Anna Paquin, immediately three-dimensional. Captain America, you know, they tried to make three-dimensional with like again having him be a nazi recently or different weird things he's still captain america cheesy in the comics chris evans is working his ass off and immediately makes uh, steve rogers and cap more dimensional christian bale has a just slightly easier job or i should say chris nolan and the writers have a slightly easier job in that batman does go fully three-dimensional numerous times through history in the comics i I think you would agree with that oh i I agree with that yeah i agree with you about chris evans and, and hugh jackman and, and I'm not going to say they're better actors than uh, Christian Bale, especially because Hugh Jackman and Christian Bale in The Prestige is my favorite with those two. It's awesome. Um, I, was just, I was just trying to compare what on his level, what would be on his level of acting in a superhero franchise. I, but and the I pressure is higher because if Wolverine ended up just being a cool two-dimensional Marvel character they put on screen, if Captain America just ended up being a cool two-dimensional Marvel character on screen, people would have been fine. It, we were so lucky that we got Hugh Jackman and Chris Evans. Whereas Christian Bale, especially with some bad movies, but then with Keaton being loved before that. And let's be honest, dude. My dad grew up with Adam West and loved the, the show. And the comic books are you know classic beyond compare. So the pressures was actually the highest on Bale over three movies by far to make Batman as three-dimensional as we know he could be in the comics, as opposed to Wolverine and Captain America, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Awesome. Well, this is great, man. Um... Uh, we'll um, have a discussion about this after August 22nd. Um, we'll have to decide oh. if we want to do a post-August 22nd podcast. Uh, maybe we'll do a two-parter in the podcast post-August 22nd, like on the 23rd, 24th, about that, yeah. and then a bigger discussion mainly about what we learned about the Batman and Wonder Woman. Uh, we, we still don't know if we're going to be live or not covering dc fandom or not so. the problem is they've listed a thousand people if it's all day then i wouldn't even know where to go live i guess what we should do is clear that day and just be ready to go live for the wonder woman panel post wonder woman panel and right after the the batman panel that would be the, the way to do that it. and whatever they're doing for the uh flash movie right the, the, which are the big three that we constantly talk about yeah 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 agreed Agreed. Awesome. Thanks, Jimbo Ritter. Any final thoughts to the Bizzlecast? Thank you guys again. Hope you enjoyed the second Bet, uh, uh, Dark Knight Rises uh, podcast. We had much more expertise on DC this time. I love Aaron Slavutin, but neither of us are big DC comic book readers historically. So much more DC knowledge. Very different tone. Very different stuff. Uh, so you guys can check out that older one, but this dude was it was just as good. Um, and it was great revisiting this film a few years later uh, with another senior contributor to the Bizzlecast. So thank you. And any final thoughts for the Bizzle? Bizzlers. Um, I'm going to leave 
this wish with one final thought mm-hmm. is to wear a mask. It's not for those for you, but it's for those around you, like Batman said in the movie. It's <laughs> so true. It, in those exact words, it's it, that's amazing, amazing. I can't top that, guys. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, as always, to... uh, Now, you're definitely an emeritus contributor. You've been on many podcasts. Uh, Contributor emeritus, super senior contributor, Jason Jimbo Ritter. This is great, dude. You love Batman. I love Batman in the movies. I would read the comics, but I don't have enough money. Uh, But, you know, I, 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 I love Batgirl, and I love the Batverse. And the one thing you and I agree on is, A, Batman's awesome when it's good in the movies, and B... We're excited for the Batman, and see, we want to see a live, real Batverse with all our favorite characters with the best actors and actresses. Agreed. Thank you so much, Bizzlers. For me and Jimbo Ritter, may the force be with you, but for now, the Bizzlecast is out.